Oh, is that what I sound like? How disappointing. everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. I'll be Ian Boothby. You'll be Ian Boothby? Sure, why not? Okay. Well. Dibs. Oh. Dibs on Ian Boothby. Okay, no one else can be Ian Boothby? Yeah, I and I get the top hat. I'm, we, I, I'm the top hat, and I'm Ian Boothby. You can be the little dog. Is it a, is it a common name, Boothby? In England it is. Yes. In England it is? Is yeah. Ian a common? Yeah, very common. Ian Boothby is very yeah, common? Yeah, I think like there was a joke... Uh, there's a joke on uh, SCTV about like a director called Ian McKeon, which okay. is like such a Canadian name, yeah, and that's yeah. because it's such a British name as well. Sure, sure. Uh, a relative of mine used to uh, have a, a, a fleet of stores called Boothby's Baby Boutique. Oh. So English people did know that's where you got your baby supplies. So yes. Boothby's Baby Boutique, which is not their music <laughs> at all. Not at all. He just made that up now? No. Do they have a Boothby's Baby Boutique? Uh, what would it be? It would be like one eleven hundred six seven eight nine forty six seven eleven six seven twenty nine or whatever British numbers are. They seem really long to me. Are you talking like? Is that a phone number? Yeah, yeah it's a British. Well, phone back number. then there was less phone numbers. It would be like twelve. No, no, this is this is England though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Twelve. <laughs> That'd be it, and then it'd be a party line that'd be shared by uh, a lot of people. A bunch of different stores. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Ooh, Peggy, get me Colin, and then uh, they put Colin on. <laughs> and like which colon colon c wait wouldn't it be wouldn't it be ian by your by your own account mm-hmm. well ian's calling ian's call, ian's calling for colon yeah which is confusing because yeah. saying your colon colon is also very yeah. confusing yeah all british uh the language is terrible yeah. english is a terrible language it's and true. should be gotten rid of because sometimes they're dialing for dylan and they don't <laughs> that's right that was a show they had <laughs> called dialing for dylan dialing for dylan people, people kept calling up dylan thomas and he's like what do you want what do you want? Quit calling me! I think I just assume he had a high voice because he's Welsh. Dylan Thomas, yeah. whoever that is. Isn't that Dylan Thomas? Yeah, I know. Okay. Isn't that a line from a song? I don't know. Oh, wait. When you're talking about yeah, Dylan, that's right. they yeah, thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, how, it was, how it was like, oh, it's a Paul Simon song. Paul, like some Simon Garfunkel song. Something like that, yeah. It's like, how the subtitle is How I Was Robert McNamara Into Submission. But it's like a something Philippic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a joke that uh, has now been well dissected <laughs> and explained. Is, yes. And that frog ain't jumping no more. <laughs> That's a fun song, though. It is a very fun song. Yeah. We're all for fun songs. Talks about- I hope there's fun songs at the end of this episode. In fact, I'd skip ahead if I were you. That's <laughs> he, just me. He also mentions that he drinks a pot of tea a day, and he says, if you know what that means. Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's slang for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're English. Very, you're a confusing very language. <laughs> you're very hip. <laughs> yeah. Well, Is that where the whole tea thing comes from? Because it's a pot of tea? I think so. Ah, I never got it before then. Mm-hmm. All right. I thought it was just like leaves. I thought it was just like there was a parallel. Yeah. It's like tea can look like pot, mm-hmm. but like that it's a pot of tea. I guess there's a verbal pun there. That's fine. <laughs> you know, you don't like Look, it now. Look, someone high made it up. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, there's going to be worse things we'll say in the next uh, two hours and a bit. So I can't judge. No, as far as I've noticed, mm-hmm. and I've listened to a lot of these shows. All right, you've lost. Okay, listened to a lot of them. All not, right. not all of them. I've listened to the good ones. <laughs> well, the I was ones people say, recommend. I was going to say pretty much like spectacular every time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. You yeah. should give us a good review on uh, <laughs> Apple. <laughs> well, it would feel biased. 
Yeah. It would feel biased. Yeah, and then right afterwards, this is biased. This is biased. Or maybe say, I am my own worst critic, and I still think this is spectacular. Also, like, what critic isn't biased? Like, have you ever read ran into a critic that's uh, completely impartial? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Very good. No, I'm just joking. I don't think there's any critic who's totally impartial. All right. The best thing to do is if you... One thing is you kind of have to learn a, a critic's tics. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that, they're very good. Like if, okay, John Doyle is like the television critic in the Globe and Mail. Okay. Once you realize he doesn't understand comedy, and when he doesn't understand comedy, it makes him mad and mean. Yeah. uh, Then you're on board and you're fine. And you can just read his dumb other reviews. (laughs) Well, that doesn't sound so pleasant, but I was thinking more. No, he's not very pleasant. I was thinking someone like the dean of the, I'll put this in quotation, like heavy quotes, the dean of of american music journalism robert criscow okay um once you understand that he only likes music that sounds like it's american Mm. then you know his his quirks and then you're able to understand but once you understand that then you know like when he gives something like a c minus you're like and and you're like well it's british you're like oh it's probably like an a Mm -hmm. like to me that would be an a even though to him it's a c minus i i get it sometimes you know sometimes he's more right than i think he is but or that he might be, but yeah, he has that. He just has like a real deep, deep like chauvinism for like, like he likes the Rolling Stones. He's a Rolling Stones over Beatles guy. Okay, if that makes sense. Okay, because you know? the Americans are basically giving you, or sorry, the Rolling Stones are basically giving you reheated American music back to Americans, and then they love that because that's just kind of like it's it's giving them that uh, you know that little endorphin rush of, of it's like someone liked you on Facebook, right? Yeah. They like our music. The British like our music. They're playing it back to us. Yeah. This is the greatest music ever. You know, whereas the, the Beatles are a little more, it's not quite clear, like, like you know, when they started, people, you know, they're like, oh, they're doing, like, the Shirelles, and they're they're doing, like, you know, the stuff that, the Mir- Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, okay, this is be- the best music, because they're playing our music back to us. So they mm. like us. They like us. Ding! And then when they started getting kind of crazy, people were like, oh, I don't like this so much because this is too weird. Number it's nine. Not, number they're, nine. <laughs> they're, not, nine. they're not following the American uh, playbook here. Hey, hey, Colin, they got your uh, phone number on the song. <laughs> what? Dial- Dial- what? Dylan? Nine? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, they do share it with Dylan as well. Wouldn't, there be a, wouldn't it be like Ealing Nine or something like that? I, I don't, I don't, I'm just making up a, yeah. a district. Pimlico Seven? Yeah, the original song went Ealing 9, <laughs> Ealing 9. <laughs> and then there was also the Ealing, nothing left, <laughs> Ealing, and so on and so forth. Uh, when Did you say re- Ealing's, nothing more than Ealing's? Yeah, okay. that's what I was going for. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're doing this a little earlier than normal, so I'm not on the ball. Okay. Um, when you're mentioning like critics, yeah, I'm kind of hypnotized by a YouTube uh, thing that I've been watching. Okay, and it's this guy. Um, is it Dave? Yeah, Dave uh, uh, Portnoy. Are you familiar with no, this I'm guy? No, I'm not. I'm not. He does pizza reviews. And okay, he goes I don't. F- I'm not really a foodie. Like, like you're like a foodie. Yeah, this isn't foodie stuff. So it's. Uh, it's I'm he, just saying. I, I I don't kind of go down that road. Yeah, so I wouldn't be in my. This is not that. Okay. So um, <laughs> he, yeah, he's like uh, this real. Uh, so real, these are licorice pizzas. He's reviewing. Licorice pizzas? Yeah. Record, oh. Records. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. 
Uh, no, he uh, he uh, stand, go get gets a pizza, mm-hmm. full pizza, takes a slice. It's called one bite reviews. They're not yeah, yeah. one bite reviews. No, he uh, reviews the pizza, and he's like just a real guys guy. Like he's so guy guy guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been, like, a lot of celebrities who have done it with him. And I can't stand watching the first bit where he's just, like, talking. Like, and it's and honestly, these are, like, five minutes long. But I'm like, no, can't take it. Why, why don't go, you like that? Oh, just being a guy, guy, fuck it. I can't stand that shit. So he's, Like, what's the guy, sorry, what's the, like, being a guy, guy? Talking guy, about, guy, guy talk. Talking about football? Oh, yeah. He'll talk about sports or some shit. Okay. Or, you know, he'll talk a bit about the restaurant in the neighborhood and what the neighborhood's like and whatever. And it's just, you know, it's got the guy vibe okay. and, uh, and people love it. And, and so like wherever he goes, someone will be like going by going, Dave! Hey! And the kind of people that would, you know, mm. say that you get like, oh, that's the fans. His of name guy. does not imply what you're talking about. Hey, Portnoy! Hey! A guy named David Portnoy is like a glasses wearing basement dweller. Mm. You know? Okay. Not a guy's guy. Okay. You tell him that. Uh, next time I see him, I'll tell him. You'll get a fistful of fives. <laughs> yeah, fistful like he has, like fistful he, of pizza. I have watched him, like you know, yeah. almost get into fights. Like there's people just like you're a pussy, port boy. Really? Like, really? They love mouth. You want to come here and fight? <laughs> and like, oh, you're a pussy, port boy. <laughs> like, hey, want to want to go? Can come on, a, big I, man, walking away. Big man, walking away. Can I ask you a question? Did he yeah. did he run a tavern in in the in in uh, oh Bedford Falls? Sure. Can't remember the name of the town. He does run a tavern. You're he right. does. He, he, yeah, is. these are called bar stool reviews. I think he's like a famous bar owner. It, it is too early. Uh, but yeah, he'll uh, take a bite of the pizza and he'll review it on a scale of zero to ten. Nothing can be ten because he always like brings up. You know, it's like uh, figure skating. So you can't like give it a 10 because then what if you have like another pizza that's better? Yeah. You've already given it a 10. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then you can never have a 10. So your 10 doesn't exist. Yeah. So now your 10 has become a 9.9. Yeah. yeah. So you've eliminated 10 from the thing. Anyway. Sure, sure. But it, it's interesting. At some point, there was like some other tough guy who was like, uh, you know, reviewing it with him. And, uh, and, 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 and Portnoy mentioned some figure skater. And the guy was did a deep dive on figure skating, and both of them are huge figure skating fans. <laughs> and so it was these two tough guys. Hey, how about that? Yeah, the Arabesque. Hey, that guy's were good. <laughs> like they're really getting into into that. So that was like oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty but good. like, uh, yeah, like a seven is you know quite good, spectacular, quite good. Okay. Yeah, if you get up into eights. Wow. And if you get into nines, oh my God. But he basically just reviews like cheese pizzas and takes a bite and usually burns his mouth. And we'll tell you how he, how, how badly he burns his mouth. He doesn't like greasy pizzas because they really burn his mouth. He doesn't like flop in the pizzas. He doesn't like when they flop over. Okay. Uh, he's not a big fan of New York ish folding pizza or any of that. Oh, so kind he's of not stuff. a New Yorker. He is. Oh, he is a New Yorker. I believe so. Yeah. 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 Well, that's uh, interesting because usually not... they're always trumpeting their own pizzas. Yeah. He reviewed every place in that uh, pizza place in Manhattan in 2017 and now kind of travels around he, he also did uh, like toronto and some other canadian places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's like really short and they're just addictive to me just like oh how was that pizza oh and then afterwards you really want some pizza that's funny yeah eve used to when when eve lived, lived still lived at home she would watch these um so i assume she still does there was a tiktoker it's basically he was a canadian guy and he would just be it looked like he was like lounging in his backyard like in his parents backyard most likely uh just wearing like a hoodie pulled over his head and kind of and then he'd have like but he would watch um coffee people making coffees on tiktok and he would review them yeah and that's all it was but he was so laid back that it was kind of like the sort of same sort of thing this guy sounds a little more intense but this guy was yeah it's intense casual yeah. yeah so so casual so laid back that it was kind of like 
very lulling and kind of pleasant to watch. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't even know what he's talking about because I don't like coffee. So, you know, but it'd just be kind of funny. He had like his little things he'd say, like if they put a metal straw in, he'd be like, save the turtles, you know, stuff like that, you know, just little comments he'd make. And then he'd give it a score at the end yeah. based on, you know, I don't know. He had some some sort of random scale that he used, I guess. And uh, those are enjoyable. They are enjoyable. And those were really short. Like they're just like a minute. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, minute, that's TikTok. You know? Yeah. Yeah, TikTok, what I, what's it? Yeah, my, my wife, uh, Pia, loves TikToks. So she'll, she'll go through a whole bunch of those and she'll send me a couple like, uh, most mornings. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, <laughs> it's like they, they'll have the recipe ones. And then they'll have uh, the person commenting on the recipe. Yeah. Like the next one will be a, a half of it is like a face <laughs> yeah, of a person yeah. going, "Ooh, ah, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. No, oh wait, are you doing that? Whoa, that's <laughs> something. Oh yeah, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, the other person put in a little more effort than you know reactor. But then there's sometimes reactors to reactors, and it's like, no, this is going to implode. This is going. This is what's going to cause the singularity. This is going to cause artificial intelligence. The computers are just going to go fuck it. We're taking over, and then they will. And uh, there you go. That's going to occur. My my wife asked our uh, niece yesterday of. Uh, if she'd uh, tell her her TikTok account, she she would not. Mm. She told her Instagram account. Yeah. Let's not tell her her TikTok account because she just went, I'm just too embarrassed because it's like just do dances and stuff on yeah. there. And it's just too, as she says, cringy. And I'm like, <laughs> no, nah, I understand. And also, like, you don't want your relatives to know your. Not everything about your life. Your, yeah. That's your what internet. Facebook is for. That's where you park your relatives. Yeah. It's kind of put them over there and just. You're hardly ever there. You just show up every once in a while to on your birthday or whatever. Yeah, your parents Say don't thanks. comment on things on uh, Twitter. Hopefully. Hopefully they don't. <laughs> and uh, I don't. They sort of. And I got relatives that understand Instagram. Yeah. A little bit. So mm, that's okay. That's my, fine. My parents don't. None of that stuff is. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, basically, I've basically made Instagram cats and food that I make. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. And then the other one is the mannequin on the moon one where I just put up the, the strip that we do. Yeah. We've taken the strip uh, from daily to three times a week now. You mentioned that. I maybe not on yeah. the show, but you meant, I think you mentioned it to me. And now. it's benefited okay. us in a surprising way. Mm. You know, because you think like, oh, you put more and more is better. But like when you do three times a week, it especially benefits us on the Go Comics site because because it's up for longer, it gets more uh, reactions. Okay. And so then it trends. So most of the time, uh, our comics will be trending on web, gag, and offbeat, these three categories. Yeah. Whereas if we're doing one a day, less time to yeah, trend, yeah. and then we move on to the next thing. Sure, sure. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So we're getting like higher numbers yeah. on individual cartoons, which looks better. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking time do to, less work. Time to move monthly. Yeah. Or just don't do it at all. <laughs> don't do it at all. Everyone would love it. Yeah, wait a second. I took this too far. <laughs> this guy the most acclaimed that I didn't show yeah, up. Yeah, this is my mistake was like working too much. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, I talked to you earlier this week uh, and uh, and you had gone to the P&E and I said like, how was the P&E? And you went, I'll talk about it on the air. <laughs> I said, I have some thoughts. You have some thoughts. Yeah. So thoughts this is our sec- uh, segment yeah. called... Dave's thoughts <laughs> on the peony. Yeah, my thoughts on the peony <laughs> by David Dedrick, age seven. Yeah, tell us what grinds your gears. <laughs> what grinds my gears about the peony? Well, I've, okay, National I'll just say exhibition. I'll say this like right off the top, which is I feel like there's less to do than there used to be. Yeah, for me, I think you know there's still 
I think there's even less rides now than there used to be. Seems right, yeah. And it feels like there's less like fun rides where there was something kind of almost illicit about going on the atomic mouse or going on the roller coaster where they they feel so weirdly rickety and they're from a different age. They're from an age of sharp metal. Yeah, and I think it was broken ankles. I think it was called the Wild Mouse here, but it's called yeah. different mouse. It's called things. different mouse things. They, they had different. It had different names at different. Yeah, every times time it kills well. a person, they change the name. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there used to be a club in town, and every time someone got stabbed, yeah, it would be like it, the club was called Heaven. Yeah, and then someone gets stabbed. Yeah, and I let's not say they died, but like they got stabbed. Yeah, and then they were like, "It's paradise," mm. and I'm like, "All right." Okay, and we get so it. get stabbed and get it called itself something else. Well, now you've explained why the Wild Mouse often had. A mustache on the cars. Yes, like no one recognized it. Is that the wild mouse? Uh, incognito. But it, yeah, it feels like walking around. Like there was, they had put in some new rides, and so you're like, oh, that's good. You know, they, they took, fixed the roller coaster. They took away the music, the the musical music machine ride. Yeah, the do you want to go faster? They want to go faster ride where it played like played kind of top forty songs very loudly and and then made you go around in circles really fast backwards yeah and up and down you know which is fun mm-hmm. it's fun it's bad I'm bad for my knees as a tall person but it was a fun ride and then yeah like wild mouse which was just an insanity and anyone who wrote it you know will never forget the, the feeling that you're going to fall off <laughs> yeah, all you, the time. If you go online, you, there's a lot of POVs of people riding the wild mouse yeah, or the yeah. atomic mouse. Yeah. And yet you just watch it and it's like, crack, click, click, crack, click, crack, click, crack, click. It's not just that. When you went around corners, you would literally rock. Yeah. And it was crazy. And I remember one time, uh, little girls getting on before before me and them throwing some sandbags in the in the... Because otherwise they wouldn't have the momentum. They needed the weight to keep the cars moving. Mm-hmm. And the, these two little girls weren't enough, so they had to throw sandbags in with them to get the weight up a bit. Right. I thought that was pretty funny. It's like the idea of them getting stuck somewhere in another car coming along and cracking into the back. They had to just put a creepy guy in the car with you. <laughs> How you guys doing? I'm here just for ballast. Oh man, that happened to a little. Please girl don't look me. at me. I'm ballast. <laughs> Fred ballast. <laughs> and you kids get that reference right? A dog in the cartoon. What the hell do you? <laughs> What's your favorite comic strip in the newspaper? What do you mean, what's a newspaper? <laughs> well, hell with both of you. I'm going to sleep. Uh, so, <laughs> like like Jigs and Maggie and Jigs. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Bringing up father. <laughs> what? You don't understand? Oh, hell with it. Then. <laughs> I really am going to sleep. <laughs> During the wild, wild most. Um, so, yeah, so they had some new rides to replace, but they were closed. Yeah, that was weird, eh? So they're like, "Oh, here's a new ride," and you're like, "Oh, this is. Let's watch this ride." I can't. I'm not going to go on it because Lisa's not a big ride person. Uh, she loves the roller coaster. Yeah, but I'll get into that in a second. Okay, but by the way, one of those rides you're talking about mm. is a solo ride. That's the thing. It's like uh, it's almost like you're riding like a almost like a motorcycle or something. Like there's okay, when you just ride it on your own. Oh, okay. And when I saw that, I was like, ah, is this like a, these are the post COVID rides? Mm. These are the mm. a little safer rides for for people. And is that what they're doing? Yeah. But then yeah, they uh, they've all and I watched them get tested because I, I I would occasionally go to Playland just to write and hang out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched them getting tested. But then yeah, the P and E comes and they're they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. And so, yeah, like, uh, it's an older ride, but Hell's Gate was closed. One of the new ones was closed. They took away uh, Flip. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. There was a Flip ride that was quite quite fun. Yeah. That was quite fun to do. Uh, well, Beach Party's gone, of course. But nothing replaced it. And then the roller coaster itself, which has been running at the PE since, I think, the 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 50s, but yes. 50s. And I don't think there's any significant injuries or or casualties at any time you know that were like from the ride 
Mm-hmm. Maybe someone like jumped out of there a car was, or something. There was once, but that was because something broke and the cart went backwards. Okay. And then, yeah, there was an injury in the 80s, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But not from like people being thro- flung from no, the No, and it the wasn't. Cars. The ride it really had barely begun. It had just gone up and something snapped mm-hmm. in, the, in the pulling them up and then. Oh, they went backwards, backwards down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now they have seatbelts in it. Oh. And it feels like. Why? Like, mm. you know, now, now you've just gone to the level of the boring old uh, corkscrew ride that they used to have, which was, you know, far like more, you know, I guess, scarier than the wooden roller coaster because right. you went in a corkscrew. But because you had like this big thing over your head, over your shoulders and cl- closing down on your chest, you felt so safe because you're just like couldn't move. So, you know, unless it all fell apart while you're riding it, you're nothing was going to happen. Yeah. The roller, co- The point of the wooden roller coaster is that it feels like you're going to die the yeah. whole time you're riding it. Yeah. That is the point of it. You do. Your ass does come off that bench. Yeah. Like yeah. you float for a certain period it's of time. a very carefully designed Ass ratio. Yeah. Yeah, ass to seat ratio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very carefully designed trick to make you think that you're going to get flung out of it. Sure. And the part of that reason is because once you go down the big hill, there is no more, nothing else to get impetus. So you're just always slowing down until you get to the end right and it's just by adding a lot of curves and bumps you know little hills and stuff like that that give it a sense a sense of you know you know the fact that i'm going to die really you're, it's just slowing down and if you kept on going and it didn't you know it just would come to a, its own stop and then right like, i guess i'm not gonna die i guess i'll just stop stop here but uh now they have seatbelts on it like why why? And all the in all the years it's been running, years and years and years it's been yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been no need for seatbelts. So what you've done is taken the whole point of that ride and just thrown it out the window. Like, okay. Who cares? <sighs> now the other thing is we didn't know this. I guess maybe I, sh- I should have like done some research on the P and E because they made a major change, which is that you can't buy ride passes there or coupons there. So if you go without your coupons or a ride pass, you cannot go on the roller coaster that day. Right, because all the rides are sold out, like, or some such. Sold out, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just what they mean is that we're not selling tickets here. You have to have bought them online. Huh. Because I guess they're limiting the amount of people who can ride on the rides during the day. And once again, that's, I'm sure, for COVID reasons, and that's fine. But it would have been nice to know that. Yeah. Beforehand. People were complaining about the lineups for things, even with... Uh, it's crazy. Even with booking in advance. Yeah. You've still yeah. got, like, a long, long line. Yeah, the roller coaster ride was insane. But, I mean, it wasn't open last year, so everyone wants to go on it. That's understandable. Yeah. Well, the Hell's Gate had a really small lineup. Oh, okay. It wasn't open. It wasn't open. Yeah, but still a lineup. It's still, no, it's still a lineup there, yeah. people. <laughs> uh, so... I got in the lineup for the triple O burgers, and when I was going through it, I just went wee, just because you know you got to make your own. <laughs> you got to do, got to have some fun. Yeah, I mean the flume ride's still there, but I assume they assume they don't splash you anymore. But I don't they know. They do actually. I'm sure they do. I'm just joking. No, but you're not okay. Here's the thing: you are joking, and that's fine. But I I, I went the other day, and I was going to like, oh, you know what? What I like to hang out sometimes is they used to have like sort of stands where you could watch the flume and you mm. could sit. Mm-hmm. And watch people come down. I was like, it's a, it's relaxing. It's, yeah. it's nice. You don't get splashed too much on on that area. Yeah. But there is a, a corner that's a surprise corner where splashing does occur, and people <laughs> walk around that corner not knowing it's going to happen, and then some people get hit, and that's also a good bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. But they've closed down the uh, you know showing off area. But there still is a little splashy corner. Mm, that's good. That's yeah. Good. And a tree that gets watered a lot. <laughs> that's great. Uh, so. Um, so we went, you know, we went and saw Super Dogs, of course. We went and saw the 
Chinese acrobats. Okay, can I ask you a question about Super Dog? Sure. So it was Avengers themed, I've heard. Paw Avengers, yes. Okay. So it's Paw Avengers. <laughs> yes, please. And I've please tried to ask people this, and most people don't seem to know, even though they've seen it. Yeah. Are there pun names for the dogs? Like, is it Bark Widow? Uh, no. Well, bark, bark Eye? Okay. No, yes, and no. They did it a couple times, but more jokingly, because the dogs have their own names that they can't change the names to. Right. But they did give them, like, names in some of the competitions. They were given, like, j- joke names. Okay. So, but they still had their own actual names, obviously, because it would be confusing to dogs to suddenly become Iron Man or Iron Dog or whatever. Okay. Yeah, Iron Dog. I'd go uh, Iron Mutt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's the Iron Mutt is better than Iron Dog, because it sounds more like Iron Man, Iron Mutt. It's got a, more of the flow. Sure. I just wondered, like, you know, so they got the Paw Avengers theme. Yeah, yeah. Are they saving the day? Is there anything to that theme? No, it's still the same races and all. I mean, it's all the same. Yeah, it's the same as Hooray for Holly Wolf. Yeah, or the Yellow Brick Road when the Wizard of Oz one they did as well. Sure. Yeah. Whatever they do. It's a theme and then hell with the theme. Do you know they have three different shows touring at the same time? Super Dogs? Okay. I was surprised. The dogs just run around. So, I mean, I'm surprised there's not more. Mm. There could be. I mean, it's not like heavily trained dogs that, you know, I mean, they're pretty trained. They're trained, but they're trained in like. What about the dog that jumps through? He's supposed to jump over it, but he does jump through the the poles they put up. Oh, he just jumps through them. Yeah. That guy. Grabs one with his. Every damn time. (laughs) You think he'd learn. You think he'd learn his lesson by now. But then there was the acrobats as well. Especially after they whip him. (laughs) Oh, jeez. When I saw the acrobats. Tough but fair. (laughs) The dog. It's okay. I'm joking. Uh, the Chinese acrobats, they came, I don't know, 10 years ago now? Maybe a little bit longer. Different troop, I guess. I was going to go, and they're not letting them leave. <laughs> letting them leave. <laughs> That's right. The Uyghur Afri- Af- acrobats, they don't want to go back. They're perfectly happy. Keep on touring, guys. Um, the No, the when they did it before, like they, ha- they had this guy do it, and he had the chairs balanced on, on champagne bottles. And he went wow. up about seven levels tall with these chairs. Yeah. And then he was had the chair, you know, at an angle, and he was doing all these, you know, one-armed hangs from it and lifting himself. And that was just amazing, amazing. So they had a, a woman doing it this time, and it was slightly lower, didn't use the champagne bottles, and then they had her on a wire when she got to a certain height. They connected her so, to cables so that she'd be safe, which is fine. If you don't feel comfortable, like this yeah. uh, old guy from the past doing crazy stuff... But at the same time, it just felt kind of like, nah, eh, okay, that's fine. I mean, I couldn't do it, but you know, yeah, it's fine. When I when I watch, okay, there's two things. One, I've like walked in on the acrobats. Now the surprise <laughs> in the back. No, what I just, are they doing? I don't. I don't go. They're for very the, good shape. I don't go in for the full show. I'll More just like go. Please. Oh, it's acrobat time, and I'll walk in. I'll see what they're doing, and mm-hmm. then I'll watch it for about like three minutes. And go good, and then I'll I'll leave. But they're always doing something insane. Like, yeah. you know, there's like three of them on each other's shoulders and then another one like stands on a head. And it's like so impressive. Like, humans shouldn't be able to do this. That's incredible. And you're just looking out at people going like, they're a little impressed. Like, so much work, so much, so much skill. And we're, and we're like, hmm. It's, it's true. Right. It's true. Like, the dogs get more applause. Yeah, yeah. Superdog gets way more reaction than these people who have like trained their whole lives, you know, probably like in, uh, under strict supervision yeah. by, well, anyway, by strict supervision by people who like gymnasts, talking about the American gym. Anyway, um, so, you know, they've lived, you know, they've just had their whole lives like controlled 
and they've you know yeah. everything every move everything they eat everything they've eaten all their clothing they have to wear the sexless clothing they have to wear like they wear the most like right you know they're all like super well otherwise people. they're just gonna have sex <laughs> like on, uh, on in mean, front of you you know they're all like young good looking people but but all the clothes they wear are so unattractive yeah and I imagine intentionally so just to you know it's about the gymnastics I guess but yeah the audience's reaction to this all is just kind of like. Hmm. Pretty good. Because they uh, here's the, here's why, to me, Yay. is you expect that they can do these things. You've come to see the acrobats. Mm-hmm. So when a, a person comes out and does this amazing flip, you're like, yeah, you're an acrobat. Yeah. An acrobat should be able to do a flip. Yeah. The plumber should be able to fix the sink. Yeah. The acrobat should be able to do a flip. That uh, makes sense to me. Okay. This is all good context. What <laughs> you need is the context of... You didn't expect to see this, but you do expect to see mm-hmm. it. Then you see it, and you're and you're well, like, that's, yeah, the, that's acceptable, and uh, we're all good. Even more than that, it's not. It's not like it's the Vancouver Gymnastic Society, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess these are people who are pretty good at gymnastics who live in. These are people who've come all the way from Beijing, Peking. They call the Peking. I don't think there's a Peking anywhere, is there? They come from a duck. They've come all the way from a duck. Sure, why a duck? <laughs> why a duck? The Georgia why a duck? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> they they come all the way here. And yeah, you expect like something spectacular. You expect a guy with a bunch of chairs and champagne bottles. Yeah, if you've like gone, that. yeah. Here's I remember they used to have Circus of the Stars. Sure. And that was a TV show. Yeah. Uh and so it would be celebrities doing circus tricks and you're like, uh, how do you you know, because <laughs> there's a lot of like actors who are also athletes and yeah. stuff. And they had Peter Scolari on from uh, Bosom Buddies recently passed away, but I really and his girls and many other things. And the Bob Newhart show. Bob New uh Newhart. Oh, yeah, sorry, Newhart. That's yeah. right. And you know, and so you're like, Oh, what's Peter Scolari gonna do? And I remember like on a couple of shows he'd like juggled or okay. what have you. And this one he just stacked all these chairs, like stacked them high. Yeah. Then climbed to the top of the chairs okay. and sat on it. And it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen <laughs> because it's Peter Scolari. Yeah, yeah. It's like a person that you've seen in other contexts yeah. doing a thing that they wouldn't do. And it's like, shit, that's incredible. Sure. Uh, but if it was like uh, someone who was like the chair acrobat. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, yeah. Sure. This is what you do. Yeah. When, I, when I go, you go to a circus and you see trapeze artists flipping around yeah. and grabbing each other, it's like, hmm. Or, or a tightrope yeah. walker. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Like when I was at the PE, uh, one of the first things I saw. Uh, was was a guy who was a busker, not busker, but like he was doing a street act, and he was juggling, and he was an amazing juggler, mm-hmm. like amazing. Uh, but he still had to do all the stupid hustling talk, <laughs> you know. And and there were still people walking in front of him, yeah. And he was having to do some shtick with them because yeah. they weren't respecting the space or yeah. didn't care that this guy was juggling, you know, nine hoops at once. <laughs> even though, holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah, and he's like, you still gotta. You still got to, but like he's practiced all his fucking life for this. Yeah. Probably one of the best people in the world at this and got this gig above all these other jugglers, I'm sure, you know, and uh, it's like, yeah, there you go. And you still got to go, hey, everybody, gather around, gather around. You want to see something? Look at this. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He's a kid at the pool yelling at his mom because he's going to do like a, a flip. I was like, oh, you just feel like you, this is the context is all wrong. <laughs> Set up a different thing, yeah. then do this. Yeah, sure, that's a good idea. And then, and then you're good. Like you want to have like with the acrobats. Yeah, you're just like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we unfortunately uh, acrobats are a little late. <laughs> uh, so what we're gonna do is and set up something else. Yeah, and yeah, just like yeah. we're gonna just be setting up their props sure. uh here and uh 
uh, here it goes. And then you have like someone setting the chairs up really high. Yeah, yeah. And, or looking like they're making a mistake and doing that. And mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, there we go. Yeah, you just like flip around the context. Sure, sure, sure. You're good. Or get, has anyone in the audience ever want to try uh, <laughs> acrobatics for the first time? Yeah. You, sir, you seven Chinese gentlemen in the front. <laughs> That's not so. It's un- Vancouver. This it's is like, not an say, unusual thing. Actually, it's not unusual this all makes some sense. This all scans <laughs> a lot better than it does other places. Come on, come on up. All right. So, have you ever done a flip before? No, I've never done a flip before. What do you do for a living, sir? Uh, I'm an accountant. Oh, okay. Uh, so, how you do a flip is uh, you just flip forward. Do you want to try that? Uh, I guess I'll give it a shot. But I've never done one before. And a perfect flip. <laughs> they get incredible applause. Everyone would love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever thought of standing on each other's shoulder? Well, <laughs> I've never met these gentlemen before, but uh, their shoulders look fine. Uh, yeah, let's give it a try. I'm sorry about that thick Chinese accent I'm doing yes, right now. You were really oh, bad. yes. <laughs> a little too much for me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for people who, are, you know, don't get the impressed <laughs> reaction I think they should for their amazing skills. Well, yeah. But I have to say that. Their skills are, you know, skills are amazing and impressive, but they lack like the hook. They lack something to really grab the audience. Like it's, it's all very well done. There was the one time the audience really reacted was um, one of the gymnasts. She was doing the thing with the, the, you know, length of string on the sticks with the little spools, mm-hmm. and she was doing, you know, flipping that around and doing all kinds of impressive stuff. But she was trying to do a, a catch, a behind her back catch, and she missed. Mm. And she did it again, and she missed. Mm. And she did it one more time, and she missed. And she did it one more time, and she caught it. And the audience erupted because <laughs> yeah. they were so happy that she yeah. got it. It was a real moment. It was a real moment, yeah. And and it showed some, you know, instead of this sort of perfect machine, clockwork machine, which all the other bits were, this had some humanity to it, you know. And I think it just besides that moment, the show really it just lacked some something that would draw you in as the audience you know yeah they're they're a little unapproachable like I say that they're they're dressed in this kind of very bland mm-hmm. very sexless way there's just no in for you as the audience they're just kind of like these automatons doing very perfect stuff on stage you know it's like impressive I guess Ooh. yeah but it's like going it's I mean I mean again people love going to the ballet or the opera but you go to the ballet or the opera and these are all like geniuses at their craft mm-hmm. and you're like Oh, that is very great dancing. Yeah. And that's more great dancing. Everyone is an excellent but dancer. Here's the difference though with ballet is there's an emotional component mm. to it that the gymnasts, yeah. the gymnasts don't have. True. So when you watch ballet, you have two dancers dancing together in a, in this very romantic moment and it's very moving and, or, or it's violent and it's yeah. scary. It's something, there's something that's, you know, get Same to you opera, as the audience, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure. Sometimes there's like modern dance pieces that are maybe kind of unre, you know, they just don't, you can't connect with them. They're just, they're not. They don't reach you, but you know, ballet, like classical ballet, is very emotional and very much, very people friendly, right? Because that was designed to for mass appeal, and I think that's different. Like to me, that's different. Where this, like, hey, there's just no end to these gymnasts. There really is not. Yeah, besides that moment, I, which I don't think they're uh, at you instead of you know, with you. Yeah. whereas like uh, a dog, yeah, uh, is that you have instant empathy for the dog because they blow it all the time. They miss the tunnel, yeah, or they get lost, or they turn themselves around. Yeah, they, you're rooting for the dog. Yeah, yeah, because it just it's it's unavoidable that they're going to make mistakes because they're not perfect. They're they're dogs, so they get excited and they forget their route or whatever happens, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, or they do something spectacular that you didn't expect. You know, they jump super high and they're small yeah. and just things like that that happen that are that get that get you. You know, and they also have a nice backstory. 
of uh, they're all rescue dogs, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. accused of crimes they didn't commit. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't understand most of what the ho- the host said this time because the sound system was so was so off. But yeah, I mean the, those the, those are like standby great things. I like going to the home show. I didn't go to the showcase this year because I didn't care about it. But I, I imagine it's a bit less than it usually would be anyway. Yeah, it seemed to be a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just a result of COVID and stuff like that. But it also feels like this is kind of a paring down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's no home There's no home there to go yeah, look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. That's disappointing. Yeah. Like, it's so much fun to walk through the home. Like, that's been like the draw for the last 50 years or whatever they've been doing this yeah, thing. Yeah, you, and you picture yourself in yeah. there, and I'd have friends here, and I'd do this. Mm-hmm. And you also get ideas for your own home. Yeah, you're, it's like, the girls would always pick their rooms and, you know, yeah. these things that... that and that, you go like, that door doesn't open right. <laughs> That was the last time we went. It was like this door opens wrong. Yeah. It so you can't close the door to the bathroom. This is a bad this is a bad door. <laughs> I don't know if you assemble it wrong, yeah. but this door is That's no a good. possibility that it got put together wrong. But And then they're like, well, where's this house located? Ah, uh, well it's in Terrace, BC. Oh no, on the edge of a volcano. <laughs> God damn it. I'd sell it then, I'd sell it. Well most most of the recent ones were were up in the Okanagan, like uh on the opposite sh- Sure, like if so, if you're in like Peachland or Summerland, mm-hmm. it would have been on that opposite side. I can't remember what it's called. There's a name for it, like I can't remember what it's called, though. right? But there is a name for that area, and uh, I'm trying to think of it, but I can't. You this know, time, where's, where's this located? It's in the middle of a fire. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> this time, it's like in like some like kind of blast like suburbs. In La- well, they said Langley, but when I heard the address, I was like, well, that's Surrey, and then they went, oh, in, in Langley, and I was like, is that Langley? Well, I guess it's right on the Langley-Surrey border. If that's if that's any like, and I just I said to Lisa, man, if we won that, we'd sell it like too sweet, or at least just take the cash, to take the buyout, because like, who wants to live there? Mm-hmm. Like, leave Aldergrove to live there? Like, Aldergrove's not that great, but would it make self the that's worse? Would it make sense to keep it just for the land or whatever for X amount of time? Because uh, the land's going to go up no matter what. Uh, I guess, but they have to be property taxes and. And then, and then you have to rent it out and deal with rent, yeah. to rent it. Yeah, and someone's going to turn it into a drug house. <laughs> it's going to be a drug house. <laughs> it's be a it's going to be a drug house. But you're still, you're still not selling. You're not going to be selling the house later. You're going to be selling the land. Yeah, that's what's that's valuable. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like our house is like I can't remember exactly what it is. Like the house is worth like thirty thousand dollars or something like that. Sixty thousand dollars. Some like tiny, tiny. Like it's like what an eighth? No, less than that. It's like a sixteenth of the value of our ho- of our house, like of the whole yeah. thing. It's just silly how how cheap the house is compared to the the value of the land. Yeah, some places around here are just like, well, the house is devaluing the land. Once the house is gone, <laughs> it's going to be worth something. Uh, yeah, we had a guy come up to us. We occasionally do have people come up to us because we rent this house yeah. that we're in, and we'll ask, you know, so, oh, we've done some renovations, here. and like. You know, the second they find out you rent, mm. that they're just like, ugh. <laughs> it was like a double whammy when yeah. he when he asked me, like you know, about the and then it was the ranting, ugh. And it's like, well, you know, uh, do you have any kids? And I'm like, uh, nope. And I didn't know what the follow up to that. I was yeah. just like, I can't say anything past that point. Yeah. You know, like you know, <laughs> it's not a dumb joke or something. He said, no, but I have I have a cat. 
Yeah, or or yeah, nope. Uh, have a cat, not that I know of. No, thank God. <laughs> or nope, the, those we got the good condoms. Uh, you know what? Whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, but I'm not judging you. Uh, what have you? What have you? What have you? But it was just a real conversation ender. Yeah, like yeah. A hard, a hard stop. Yeah. Here's Bam. what here's what you should say when that question comes up: is no, they were taken away. <laughs> Well, it's a weird... That's a good way to end it all. There must be a better way of, like, getting to that question. Of <laughs> just, you know... It's like... Like what? Do you have any toys in your house? I don't... You know what? I think... I think Are they broken? <laughs> I think... I think, honestly, you know, you just, just ask questions about the neighborhood, and mm. it'll it'll get brought up. Mm. Just like, you know... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our kids go to school over there. Okay, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that instead sure. of, hey, you got kids? Uh, why, why is he asking you if you have kids, though, by the way? Because he's got a kid. Oh, and parents ask. That. Oh, this is like a neighbor asking. Yeah, you. neighbor. Oh, oh, and they don't like that you're renters. Eh, you get a little. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's usually the that's usually the way that goes. Uh, so yeah. you seem like you're kind of flighty, that like you're just kind yeah, of yeah. flake out, or yeah, you're yeah. not going to care about the property. Yeah, I'm making meth in the basement and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, or what have you. I'm bringing down making a meth. the value of yeah. I'm bringing down the value of everything here. And it just want to go like, no, try our best. We want to have a nice Halloween yeah. here. We do my, things. My friend owns his house and he's got chickens in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Talk about devaluing the neighborhood. Well, there's a couple of houses probably near here that probably have chickens. <laughs> there's a, you know what's really popped up around here lately is above ground pools. Mm. Like those round above ground pools you get from like Costco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of people have those here. Well, it's hot. It is hot. And I think they're affordable enough that it's worth it. Yeah. So you look like, because you can see just over their fences. And so you can see like um, floaties going by, like <laughs> swan heads or unicorns. And it, it makes for a very sure, magical sure. look in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. But then you see someone like having to fill it up with a hose. I'm like, well, Jesus, how long does this take? It does take a long time. Yeah. I remember when we, when we put the pool in our backyard, them filling it up. Oh, did you put a pool in your backyard? In Delta, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like grade eight then, so it's, it was. You mean yeah, a proper pool, proper. Yeah, proper, pool. yeah. In, okay, in I pool. thought like yeah, okay. But you know, still had to be filled just from a garden hose. It wasn't like they didn't bring a water truck in and fill it up for you. you just throw the hose in and just let it run for three days or whatever till it's full. I always, I guess I always assumed a pool would have a connection to like a water pipe or no, something. No, no, not at all. Because wouldn't that make sense? Like because uh, you're gonna, it's like a. Bath. You don't replace it. What's that? You don't replace the water. Well, uh, like once well, you fill it, that's what the water is. Well, what do you do when you have to get rid of the water? You never get rid of the water? No. Ever? Not the, not when we owned it. Okay. It is in the wintertime we just covered it up. Yeah. With a with a you know, like with a winter cover and then in the springtime, late spring you pull it all up and then you uh Okay, well, what happens vacuum out all the So debris. what happens in Los Angeles, you know, where you know, they had all those uh, skateboarders that were skateboarding in the dry pools. Oh, well, those people like, have probably given up on having just giving up on the pool. Yeah, so they just okay. got rid of the water. And I, however they did that, I don't know. They might have just just uh, siphoned it. Not, is it siphoning? When you, yeah, siphoned yep. it. And, you know, because that'll work. That'll drain your pool. Yeah, and that'll just, drain your and pool. Then let, and then let, let, uh, let the sun do the rest. Mm-hmm. And then I assume if you're going to use it as a skateboard thing, you have to like add more concrete to it. To well, okay. Here's my question then. Uh, so you got like, we got a couple of outdoor pools around here, right? Mm-hmm. We got the pools. Yeah. How do they fill those? What do they fill them with? I imagine they do the same thing. The hose. Yeah. A hose. Yeah. 
There's got to be a bigger thing than a hose. I guess maybe they maybe like they, a fire hose. Maybe they convince the fire department to let them use the fire hydrant. I I don't know. Maybe public pools have a different. They might have bigger pipes. Going yeah, I know. Back in the day, they would filter the ocean water at like Second Beach Pool. Yeah, and I think at Kitts Pool too. Also, sure. it would filter the ocean water somehow. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's curious. Because I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, your pool is base is just like when you put the water, like the tap water, into it, yeah. like from your garden hose, it is gross. It's just like pure brown. And you're like, oh, what is? I drink this, right? <laughs> this then, is awful. And then the chlorine uh, fixes it. That's right. Then you add the chlorine and, and all the rest of it too, and it just gives it that magic blue color. We had, a, yeah, we had a pool for. Uh, I lived in Burlington, Ontario, for six months. Yeah, and it was about three months of pool weather. Okay, um, and so uh, yeah, I would be the guy who would go with like the, testing all the you know sure. uh, levels of everything because I enjoyed that. It was like kind of nerdy chemically stuff. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, making sure uh, the balance was right. Yeah, Everything because I used the pool the most, I was given the job of vacuuming it and uh, doing all that. I don't know why stuff. that's surprising to me that like years and years and years, it's the same water. It's the same water, yeah. In this, uh, because in it's always this... circulating, right? You have the pump and stuff like that. The water, yeah. the water is always running. You know, it's never, it's not sitting there because otherwise it would get stagnant. But because you because you recirculate it, it keeps it from getting stagnant, and then you add the chlorine and whatnot to it what about a but va- way less chlorine than you'd find in a public pool oh yeah yeah yeah. otherwise you'd uh, nightmare um <laughs> but would you like top it up like every year because well okay i don't so remember doing that explain to me why it uh evaporation doesn't occur and i mean it must do a little bit and maybe we did i just don't remember doing that now i don't remember my dad might have done that part of it like over the course of a year in an enclosed space like that yeah how much I, of that would evaporate i don't think very much though really? and you get the rain coming down too right so you get it both ways. You might have a bit of evaporation, but you also it's also rained on. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Okay. Those of you that understand evaporation, rain, and pool <laughs> technology, uh, let us know. Okay. Back yeah. to the peony. Uh, yeah. You, and you just, go ahead. Keep going. Now, I might be – my feelings about the peony might be a little bit twisted now by – well, okay. For one thing, I did go with my parents a little bit when I was a kid. We didn't go all the time. But when we did go, I guarantee you this – we didn't get to go on any rides. My parents were not like fun people like that. They didn't go to places like for fun. Mm-hmm. You went to the PE to walk through the BC Enterprise building and look at people's yarn collections. Or you go to showcase and see like things to clean your house better. Sure. You'd look at the show home. Obviously, yes, the prize home. And then uh, you wander around. You may, we would go along the midway and stuff like that. And you'd see like you could conceivably get like a, you know, invi- a, lo- a leash for an invisible dog. Which seemed like the greatest thing I'd ever mm-hmm. seen in my life as a kid. The idea of having like this leash with an invisible dog on it just seems so great. <laughs> but of course, my parents would never buy that because they're just that's they just were not like fun. Well, it's it's fun, fun until someone has one for an invisible cat, and then all of a sudden the dog's like running. And <laughs> that's a real problem. And you can't find the dog because you've dropped the leash and the invisible dogs run off. Right, and then he takes a poop and it's an invisible poop and you slide <laughs> on it and it's like, ugh, never gonna get this off. <laughs> and so when I when I first started going to the peony with Lisa, I went with this like in a particular way, like we went with horses. We drove down in a truck with horses and we parked in some weird way in the middle of Vancouver with a horse trailer and we took a horse in, into like the peony grounds and and into a, the barns and we had a stall there and then she competed with like 40 other riders in, in these big giant classes at that time. And 
and it was really fun and it kind of gave like a shape to it and when eve did it as well it kind of gave like a shape we might we'd be there like three different days you know i would come down after work and you go down and then they're there and they've been there all day you know and the girls have done some rides and you know they've had some fun and everyone's eaten their fill of garbage and <laughs> then you show up and you want more and they're like oh, i guess so <laughs> And then, you know, go to, they've seen the prize home three times already, but they're still eager for you to come and see it because they, they have to show you the, your, their sure. bedrooms and whatever. You know, and so that gave it like a shape that made it like more fun in a way because it wasn't just walking around aimlessly. Right. Looking at a cow. You ha- also had like a job to do, right? You had to get, you had to be back at, got to be back at seven or before seven because we got to, the, the, that's when the jump off is or whatever. So we got to be there for that, blah, blah, blah. And so that's. That made that you know that kind of added to it. So going going there now without that, it's almost kind of like, what are we here for? Like, oh, I guess I'll go look at. There's a donut place, okay, and there's some rides. Oh, that's nice. Go see Super Dogs, and then we'll go look at this showcase thingy over here, and then, well, I guess we're done. Let's get out of here. Let's skedaddle. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and there were they they were they are still like, and you know, hooray for them. Like still trying to like get the horse thing up and, and and getting people interested in coming to it. I mean, like first prize for the 3D event is $300, which is really good, a really great prize. That's mm-hmm. a lot of money. Uh, and you're competing with like three other people. So at the very least you can get, you'll get $60 for yeah. three days free. You get a P&E pass for the three days you're there. You get free parking for your yeah. horse trailer. You're, you get to meet other people of your interest. Meet other people, yeah. You get people come by looking at your horse and stuff like that. And you can feel... That slight bit of arrogance of we have a horse and you don't. <laughs> and then you have to clean up the poo later on. You're like, oh, <laughs> we have a horse and they don't. Um, but yeah, it's it kind of it kind of gave like a shape to it all that I miss. I do really miss that now. And I think that kind of clouds my, my uh, speaking of biased critics. Sure. It does, does, does kind of like add a you know bit of a cloud to the. Uh, but I do feel like there's less to do there now. Oh, especially for, for sure. adults. Yeah, yeah. Especially for adults. You know, it's stuff like. Like they have like some kind of big stage over there, and you're kind of looking. You're like, "What's going on over there?" Oh, it's just like some salsa things. Oh, who cares? Like, I don't want to go watch the salsa band and the burning hot sun. Like, let's just keep walking. What's going on over there? Oh, it's a lumberjack dis- display, but they're not really lumberjacks. Or like some people who like learn lumberjack tricks and wrote a script with a lot of like corny old jokes. Eh, doesn't really feel like that's what lumberjacks are about. Oh, let's go down here. Remember when the Demolition Derby was here? That was fun. Those were good old days. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's not there anymore either. Who's playing tonight? Chicago. Oh, my God. I don't want to see Chicago. Oh, well, forget about that. Let's just keep... You know, it just, it just doesn't feel like it's for, for me anyway, I guess. I imagine there's some people who are like, Chicago? <laughs> I can't wait to hear that one song they did. Oh, they must do more because their albums are numbered. So they must have other songs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they had other hits. Yeah. I only, I only know the Saturday in the Park one. Okay. What is that, 25 or 824? That's an early song. 25 or 9 or whatever. I yeah. Have and then that. there's the real uh, later Chicago stuff that Peter was the stuff I heard. I was like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I know, yeah, like, like the, the, <laughs> the, the guy. ballads, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Pardo from Never Not Funny is an enormous Chicago fan. Mm. And so. You'll refer that to that certainly dates dates him. 
Yeah, well, you know, he always talks about the you know the best days for him were uh, working in a record store. And, mm. You know, he was the the hot guy at the record store who knew everything. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So you but know, he likes Chicago. Him. I mean, that doesn't make him sound like he was like the coolest guy there. But nah, okay, whatever you say. You tell him. Uh, well, you tell him. I'll tell him to his face. Sure, sure. Whenever I see him, and he'll be out there with uh, Dave Portnoy reviewing a pizza in front of something, <laughs> and you're gonna get a face full of fives. Is what you're gonna get. Um, yeah, it, like when I was when hey, I was Pardo, your tastes are pedestrian. Yeah, I went there, and it, it, it feels like there's nothing uh, new, you know. And if, and there should always be a little something new. It's mm. like times have changed a little bit. Well, so what do you yeah. what do you do? I mean, the last time I went, mm. uh, I saw a strong woman, and I've never seen that before. Okay. And that was interesting, you yeah. know. She was doing things like ripping uh, decks of cards in half sure. and r- ripping the phone book in half. Yeah, and she was doing it, and it was like. <laughs> Neat. This is what I I would see at a PNE show. Yes, yeah. this works. And it was a short act. It was that was enough. And now off we go. And that was <laughs> delightful. Yeah, good stuff. I'm like that kind of thing. Yeah, but like more. And what's <laughs> and what's a new ride? Like you say, we're a city. Yeah, you know, this is an amusement park. What is the new ride? Put it in there. Like I'm okay with you taking a ride out, but put a ride in that's in some way now. You know, and not yeah. milder. I just can't escape the feeling that they really aren't interested in the PE in Vancouver. Like the Vancouver Parks Board, you know, if they had their druthers, there'd be no PE. Well, they wanted to move to Surrey for a while. And it was like. Well, that was definitely like those were the really dark days when they really yeah. wanted to kill it, you know, and they were tearing down some of the buildings and, and, uh, took away the BC Enterprise building and the map, which wasn't there this year again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just all the the Challenger map, all this, all the kind of fun. Like, I guess it's kind of corny, but it's a part of it that I love, right? Like, like I'm a I'm more atavistic than you, so I like tradition. Well, so, you are because you know what the word means. <laughs> so yes, as far as that goes, what does that word mean? Uh, just connected to the past, you know. And I okay, and I'm just that's me. I just love you know. That's partly why I love church, is I love the the history of it. You know, right. It goes back. What I'm doing... Most of the Bible stories are in the past. They know, are, so. yes. It's very true. Very few. Very There's f- one that's set in the future. That's... One. Well, and boy, it? it is a real door knocker, though. It's not set in the future. Isn't okay. it? No. With dragons coming out of the sea and... It's, uh, all, it's, it's, just, it's just based in its own time. Well, when does it take place? Like right then. It's a message to the people of that time period. But written in a language that made very much sense to them and not much sense to us now. Okay, but I don't understand. Like it's got it's the end of everything, so that's got to be in the future. Or how are we reading it? It's not the end of everything. Yeah, it is. It's a new beginning. That's Revelation. There's a giant war, and uh, all the uh, is there? The, yes. Are you just? Are you? I read the end of it. Yes. Okay. And the the the, the demons get thrown in the lake of fire. Yeah. And yeah. then there was like peace and love but ever who, after. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it ends. Sorry, sure. spoilers on there. Yeah. But that's definitely in the future. No, it's it's about the time period they're living in. It's now? Yeah. It's oh, then. It's oh, then. so the demons are gone. It's So no, we're fine there, now. There were no demons. It's all, it's a symbolism. There's no demons now. It's a symbolism. Well, what are you saying? Like, are there demons or are there not demons now? There are not demons. No, there's no demons now. No. Because the demons, because there was a war. No, there's no war. There was a war in the Bible. Yes, there was. No, it's it's not describing anything that actually happened. It's... It's using like prophetic language the same way that if you read about like the burning wheel of fire, the Ezekiel's description of like uh-huh. the the appearance of God and stuff like that, those are like prophetic descriptions using a particular kind of language of okay. that time period okay. that didn't wasn't like actually 
real. It was like a form of imagery, like poetic. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's a story. That's what Revelation is as well. Yeah, it's it's a story. story. I get it. But like, so, okay, Adam and Eve. So he's writing. So John of Patmos, who wrote that Revelation, uh, had just got released from working in the salt mines Mm -hmm. because he was a Christian. And so he worked there as a slave for many years. And the church was under threat. And there was a lot of like people leaving because the Romans didn't want the Christians to be Christians. And so a lot of people were like, fleeing the church because they would it was either that or be dead okay and so who can blame them some were some stayed and died some stayed and were put into into servitude others just left and renounced it all and so what he did was he wrote this long crazy story mm-hmm. to tell them to take heart yeah this will pass and we Wait will be second. victorious so this will pass as in what's happening in the present yes will pass, pass. And then and? we will have better times are coming. And they talked about the better times that were coming. But if there's no mention of like, you know. Well, you're saying better times are coming. Yeah. So that's in the future. Yeah, but he's not describing what's coming. He's talking about the, that, that particular time. So, like he's so, not saying he's not saying in a thousand years no, no, I don't, everything will be great. No, no forget like uh, yeah, yeah. a thousand years. We're not defining terms. But like you're, so the what he's describing in Book of Revelation yeah. is happening. Yeah. Currently, so he's writing, in, the, in yeah. the fiction that it is. Yeah, yeah. The fiction is set sure. currently. So there's a lot of sevens in Revelation. Okay. So most of them are referring to the seven churches of that time period, okay. the seven major churches that kind of went along the the uh, edge of the Mediterranean okay. towards Greece. But there is a start, a middle, and an end to the book of Revelation. The story doesn't, everything in, in the story does not happen concurrently. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. So, and, and it happens over a period of time. So the time that you're reading that story, mm-hmm. where are you in that time in that story? Well, you're not in that time. You're reading into the past. So this has already happened. This is already, it's not even happened. So everything. It's not describing anything that's happening or no, has or ever happened or will happen. Even in the fiction that it is. Even in the fiction that it is. It's, it's not, not in the past. No. You're you're kind of conflating rapture theology with, with uh, revelation, which are two okay. different things. Because rapture theology is like was invented in like the eighteenth century. Nineteenth mm-hmm. uh, century, that's when that kind of became more popular. Am I wrong? Or are the uh, all the basically Satan and all the demons in hell, are they uh, uh, thrown into the lake of fire and because they have now lost, you know, the battle that was the battle you know, against heaven. Does that happen in Book of Revelation? I can't remember now. I have to it does. have to reread it. It does. Okay. So so okay. So if that happened in the story. Yeah. In the story. Yes. Uh when in correspondent to reality. Yeah. Where when does that occur? In the future? Right now? Yeah. Or in the past? In in the story, I guess it's in the part of the future of that story, sure. Okay, so that story takes place in the future. Okay. So we agree. So so Brave New World. Let's talk about Brave New World, like okay. the way you're talking about Revelation. Right. So when does Brave New World take place? I don't know. It takes place in the future. Oh, that's fine. Then it's a, it's a story that takes place in the future. Yeah. That's what I said at the beginning. But I'm just saying it's, it's, but it's a not, story that takes place in the future is what I said. But I'm just saying it's not like a real future. Yeah, none of the thing in the Bible is real. Okay, well, I don't believe let's it. Not, let's not. Okay, fair away. enough. I mean, I, I'm glad that you believe it. That's great. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's like, you know, Adam and Eve is uh, a story yeah, that takes place sure. in the past. Yes. And then the demons are thrown into the fire in the future. 
That's what I'm saying. I don't like, so I have to reread it. They all are set in the. I'll reread it and we'll come back to this. Okay. Or I'll re-read they would it. have to be. Otherwise, everything would basically be done, and we'd just be living in paradise currently. Well, it's not. It's not about us, though. It's not for us. Okay. That's why Revelation is a very controversial book because it wasn't actually supposed to be in the Bible. Okay. It was actually only put in the Bible with the understanding that it would never be used. Uh, this is kind of funny. At the time when during when they did the um, the uh, big meeting right. where they kind of you know figured out what, what all the books in the, were going to be in the Bible and what books mm-hmm. weren't going to be in the Bible. Revelation was very controversial and basically hardly anyone wanted it in, but there were some churches that was very very important to them as part of their part of their understandings. So it was agreed upon they would put it in the end, mm-hmm. but that book could never be used for any kind of prophetic use. So it could never be read into and used as a way of of t- of talking about Christianity in a prophetic way. And no one ever did. And no one ever did. That's what's so the hilarious end. now. It's so funny now because yeah, there's so much like rapture theology and stuff like that is almost all entirely based in pro- prophecy from Revelation. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny that, you know, like it's against the whole council of I guess Nice, whatever it was when they when they did the uh the Nicene Creed, right? That's what it is. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. What have been the you, you've studied the. I, I went. I went it's to been ca- a while. I mean, I went to catechism. Ago. I had to read yeah. the Bible a couple of times. <laughs> I've been quizzed on it. Yeah. I got the whatever. I got the. I got the chocolate bar. I don't know what you got. Get something. Um, that's that's the glorious irony of Revelation. What's that? It's just that it was is it was the idea that was put into the Bible with the understanding. Okay, we're not going to use this for for prophecy because it, so obviously we don't understand what what john was really saying right like it's just so it's so and it's the only it's the only part of the bible that's ever been uh, misinterpreted or misused yeah yeah and and that therein lies the irony (laughs) well it's just the irony is that the rest of it yes you can misinterpret and interpret all you want Mm -hmm. but and how the idea was at the time was well we won't use revelation that way we'll steer clear of that because it's so it's so opaque i mean even by the by the time that we're talking about like 500 a.d uh no one knew what it meant like no one was still a spectacular ending to the story like it it, things start crazy and then they end crazy (laughs) and then it's very grounded in the middle very grounded in the middle Hmm. you know with with a little bit of you know surreality and you know uh you know oh that's beyond you know uh mortal things and then and then it's like whoa it just got bananas at the end again yeah, I wonder if we wrote now in a way like that that we wrote in in symbolically, not in full words, because John couldn't write in actual words because that would have made him the enemy of the Romans. So it's like a coded language. Sure, and it's curious now to think like if we wrote in a coded language now, would it be understandable to people five hundred years from now, or would it seem just as weird and opaque that someone would write? But we don't really have like a coded language. Well, here's like here's like an obvious dumb dumb guy question that I'm going to ask you because you probably know it. Uh, so the final, okay, the the last book that was written of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was John, John right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the John book is uh, different than the others, like I've heard. Yes. Okay. Um, so what? Uh, once you've already got, we've got we've got the book of Matthew, we got yeah. the book of Mark, we got yeah. the book of Luke. Yeah. What makes John go? You know what? I should tell the story again. <laughs> it's like we already got it three times. I feel uh, okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. I feel like this is my own opinion. Was it I, the Spider-Man reboot of its day? It was Spider-Man. That's right. It's Andrew Garfield as Jesus. <laughs> I think, to me personally, I think that uh, it's written to the Greeks. So the other ones were written to Jews. Mm-hmm. And why so, were they? Why was it written three times? 
well, everyone had their own their own theology that they, you know, so Luke, who a lot of people feel was a doctor, there's no hard evidence for that, but it was like contextual evidence that he may have been a doctor of that time period. Sure. Is very much interested in Christ as the healer, Christ as the as the healer, not only a physical healer, but the uh, spiritual healer. Mm-hmm. Matthew's more concerned with like the message of Christ. So that's where like the Sermon on the Mount is most, okay. has the most importance. But also he just has like chapters that are just like, they're out of context, just quotes from Jesus through different, from different time periods, but he just puts them all together into one place. Cause that was important to him that we get the idea. And also he has the, um, he has the uh, genealogy for Jesus as well, for Joseph mm-hmm. that connects Joseph to, and not even like a glorious genealogy. It's actually kind of a, it's actually not a great genealogy. Like you'd think, you'd assume that someone's going to be like, oh, we're talking about Christ's adoptive dad here. We better pump up the volume. But it's actually like, yeah, no, he's a bit of a, his family was a bit of a bunch of kind of creeps. There were kind of a couple of losers, some murderers there. Uh, yeah, they're not the greatest group of people. But anyway, he was Jesus' father. Though so that does make sense when, you know, who did Jesus like to hang around with? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. it wasn't That's like right. big shots. It makes sense in Matthew's context. Um, and then Luke, or sorry, Matthew was the first book mm-hmm. that was written. And so it was more, I think it's more like a historical document. It's not It's not really heavy on theology. It's more like getting down like the basic facts of Jesus' you know, birth, mission, and then it doesn't even end with his, it, it ends before he uh, resurrects as well. It ends with the, the Mary, and, uh, Mary and Mary, I guess, finding the, um, the tomb empty. Okay. And then someone saying to them, go tell the others. And then that's the end of it. You're like, okay, that's a weird ending. And then a big spinning to be continued comes up. It's, it's possible that it's missing the final pages. No one knows. Mm-hmm. Or there was a popular uh, genre or, of writing at the time that was like a surprise ending like that, where it just kind of leaves the hanging question. Oh, right. And so that was a common form of writing. So is there any other uh, you know, major religious uh, text that uh, will, you know, be telling the story of Muhammad, yeah, and then uh, tell the story, go through, go through to Buddha, the Buddha, mm-hmm. and uh, and tell the story of the Buddha, and then at the end of the story, go, okay, now let's tell that story again, slightly differently, slightly differently. <laughs> now we're done with that. Yeah, here it is again. Yeah, one more time, and uh, okay, hold it, don't go home yet. One more time. Here's the story, start to finish one more time. I just wonder if, like, if it feels like I would, I like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I know anything about those religions, but I'm going to assume that they all have disparities or contradictions within their texts because unless they were all written at exactly the same moment by the same person, they would. Well, it's also there's going to be some disagreements. It's also what version do you have currently that yeah. was allowed to pass through history? Yeah, and you know was not fixed to you know make it in line sure, with sure. the politics and whatever it was doing at the time. But I just I just was curious, and someone out there could answer this as well. Are there any other religious uh, texts yeah. that repeat the same story multiple times within the the body of uh, of, the, of of it? Is that uh, does that happen or is that uh, think, only uh, Christianity? But I think you'll see that like in Greek Greek stories, they'll t- they'll retell 
you know, there's different versions of, of I guess I'm just familiar with like Odyssey Homer's, or, you know. right? But like you wouldn't you wouldn't like if you're reading the Odyssey or and you're you're reading the story of like Achilles, you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't hear the story of Achilles and then immediately afterwards now here's the story of Achilles again. <laughs> now here's the story of Achilles yeah. from a different perspective, and now here's Achilles in a different context. Sure. You know, which would but be interesting. That's probably our prejudice, not their prejudice, though. How so? Well, because we want to have it as one, like one unity, one unified thing. So we only mm-hmm. present Homer's Iliad. We don't like talk about other source material. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just was curious. Yeah, if anything, uh, if anything uh, comparable yeah. uh, has the parallel stories, you know, uh, uh, you know, or histories uh, side by side. Sure, because obviously with contradictions. Like, yeah, obviously. But the thing about the contradictions is, I, I don't think they concern people of that time period. The way they mm-hmm. do to us, because we we want a unity now. Sure, sure, yeah. and that's just our our yeah. generalized so, so to cultural. Me, just the, the thing. basic yeah. thing is, uh, you know, four four tellings of the same story. Yeah. in you know, uh, in one in one book. Anyone else do that? Mm-hmm. Is that as or is that a unique feature it, of the of the Bible? It's kind of like like the whole argument over transubstantiation, which didn't start until like a thousand years into Christianity. Like for a thousand years, people celebrated. Uh, the communion uh, supper and didn't and didn't sweat what was happening like the, the when they said this is Christ's body and blah 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 the, all the, that they just did it they didn't even think about it yeah but then the Middle Ages came and there was a different thought process there was a different I- idea of or a different philosophical way of looking at the world and so right. they needed to explain this it wasn't enough that it just yeah. was. You know, so we had to like get into like what the Trinity was yeah. and transubstantiation and what all happens. And control and, and yeah, you got to control things. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got you. Like uh, again, I still uh, uh, my my sister in law. Uh, she's a little girl. She went up and she got the communion and she popped it in her mouth and the priest slapped her because she wasn't, you know, she shouldn't have been able to like take communion. And uh, and to this day, I want to go get that priest. <laughs> Sorry, she she wasn't baptized. Is that why she couldn't do it? Uh, she was too young, and uh, and she oh. yeah, she wasn't. Uh, she hadn't had her communion. Yeah, well, she wasn't of that faith. I don't think. No. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so she just saw one and popped it in her mouth. Oh, okay. She was a little kid, and she got uh, she got slapped by the priest. Wow. Yeah, that's that's effed up. Uh, it yeah. seems a bit extreme. Yeah, a bit, a bit extreme. extreme. Very extreme. Like I'd like to punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> And then I'd say, uh, hey, uh, by the way, could you forgive me? Yeah, you got to. That's the law. That's the law. The law is you got to forgive me. So you can say likewise, sir. Oh, yeah. I go like, oh, now I'm done. Done and done. Now that I've had my revenge, I can forgive well, you. Well, I don't have to. I'm not a priest. Like, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a jerk. Okay. You know, okay. I, don't, I don't have to do nothing, sure. frankly. Sure. You know, but he does. That's the rules. Mm-hmm. That's the rules of, uh, I think. And also, Highlanders can't fight on your uh, holy ground. Those are the two rules of the church. <laughs> Is that, I didn't know that. So, yeah, priests have to forgive you if you punch them in the face. Yeah. And, and Highlanders can't fight. So, a Highlander cannot punch a priest. Yeah. Oh, although, uh, you know what? A Highlander could punch a priest, as long as the priest doesn't fight back, because that's a fight. But if, if a Highlander just assaults a priest, yeah, I think he could. That's fine. Yeah, okay, that's the law. I can't think of, I guess it's Aeschylus, but I can't think of, like, the specific instances but if you read like um histories of the the roman caesars of that time there are like mythical elements to those stories as well like even the roman historians weren't like immune to to adding in 
their own kind of mythical elements to the stories that they told, you know. So that was just a, a, a flavor of the time, which was just accepted as part of, you know, once again, they just, they had a different aesthetic, you know, or, the diff- or a different idea of what was actually. You're telling a story. Yeah. You're going to spice her up. And so. You see the audience start looking a, looking away. If they're not impressed by the Chinese acrobats. Yeah. They're not going to be impressed by. Uh, and like personally, I find it, I find the contradictions in the gospel stories like more compelling rather okay. than less compelling. Okay. Because, because to me, that seems more real than not real. It would seem more fake if they all like perfectly agreed with each other, you know, because then it would just feel like, well, someone's been going through these with a, with a black, I t- with a red I, pencil I take and crossing it, I take it one stuff. degree past that. It's like if you're going like, the things that make this uh, so compelling are that it's, uh, you know, are the contradictions. Mm. And I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's metaphor and it's, you know, it's all these other things. But if you then go like, it's because it's more real. Well, do you want it to be more real or do you want it to be more impactful? Do you want it to, you know, uh, make you feel a certain way? Yeah. Tell a story or convey things. Does it, it feels like then you're getting into the Star Trekky details and like, wait a minute. You're, so you're going faster than light and this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is like, that's, that feels like nerd picking, you know, something that maybe you don't need to nerd pick. You know, unless you've got someone who's going, this is actual historically accurate to the thing, and this proves, and the Earth is six thousand years. Okay, well then, forget that. <laughs> then you gotta like, you gotta, you gotta nerd pick it, make pick your way out of it. You know? Well, it depends what you're saying is historically accurate. Like, you know, I would, I'm going to trust that the Bible's list of like Jewish kings is accurate. You know, like I don't, their opinions of them. Okay, but I, I'm going to assume that that is historically accurate. Okay. That they, that list is historically accurate. How God felt about those various kings is is up to up, up for debate. But I, I, you know, how many foreskins did they? Uh, <laughs> two hundred foreskins in a bag. That's the ironical part of it. It was all the bags in a bag. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> but yes, there's a lot of foreskin interest. It's weird. <laughs> that is weird. You know what? Some some shows we talk about chocolate bars. Some we talk about foreskins. That's what you get with Sneaky Dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, you pays your no money, you takes your chances. But in a, when a, in an age when tribalism was the thing, you know, like something like that, something so radical that separated you from others, it's pretty important. So you know, that's hence all the weird. Yeah. What's the, go- what's the gospel tent uh, theme this year? Say- they had a Noah's Ark again. Yeah. Is it always Noah's Ark? I guess so. Okay. The rain's going to come or something. I don't know. I guess in Vancouver that makes sense. You're going to, because at <laughs> oh, some wish. point, I wish it, it would come. at some point it's going to get rained out. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're going to go, oh, yeah, this does, it's very impactful seeing the rain and then the Noah's Ark. So, yeah, they but, never went with. But seeing it re- reminded Lisa to tell me that uh, <laughs> the, I guess the Creation Museum down in the States is suing the Ark builders because the Ark is, is uh, has a crack in it or something like that. Right, it's not waterproof. It's not waterproof. Yeah. So they can't. And I said to her, you know what? It's probably a message from God because they put dinosaurs in it. So they should have taken that as a... Because they did. They exceeded the weight capacity of the ark. There's because no ma- of the dinosaurs. There's no mention of dinosaurs in, in uh, Noah. So Okay. And I would also say like... Did they mention... But they didn't mention every animal. So there could have been dinosaurs, right? No, there wouldn't be any dinosaurs because dinosaurs didn't exist. They wouldn't even know they existed. Hmm. 
Would it just have been that they didn't call them dinosaurs? No, there was no dinosaurs around when they were around. Like, mm. There's like, a, what, how, what, how, how many years, how many billions of years or millions of years is there between dinosaurs and, and humans? Uh, well, what years Noah's supposed to take place? Like, again, I'm in, I'm in old timey thought. Like, uh, you know. Me what, too. So I know that, I know that they had no concept or knowledge of dinosaurs. So okay. they would not have included fair. them. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. But in, uh, okay, if you're going with the Bible as, you know, now we're going to be nitpicking. If you're going with the Bible as fact and going with the idea of like, you know, whatever. Well, no one's a, doing that. But I mean, I shouldn't say that. Mm, the majority of humans aren't doing that. I know. I was that. like that when someone goes like, no one thinks of God as an old man sitting on a cloud. Some people think of God as an old man sitting on a <laughs> yeah. cloud. I'll tell yes, you. I, That's true. In fact, they'll paint pictures of him. Uh, but like, uh, you know, if, if you're trying, if you're thinking of like the beginning of time as Adam and Eve, how soon after the beginning of time was the story of Noah? Like how many generations or how many bagats uh, mm, did yeah. you get to that? Yeah. And then like, you know, if you're going beginning of like this, is there anything that says like in the uh, Garden of Eden there weren't dinosaurs? Well, there might not have been that. There's, <laughs> you're right. There's also nothing that says that there were uh, fire-breathing dragons. So I suppose they were there as well, as well as unicorns. And, uh, there's sort of a dragon ne- there's sort of a dragon at the, in Revelation though, right? Is that the the uh, the sure yeah okay. So was that was that dragon like okay? So the dragon Rev- Revelation <laughs> okay was it asleep uh, for all this time or like where did the dragon come from? Did the dragon come from an egg? Does the dragon come from like a mommy and daddy dragon? Was the dragon just like a peer? Yeah, like have there always been dragons on Earth? Because we've established now there's dragons on Earth. We have not established. We that. have in How? the book of Revelation. There's but dragons. It's not it's not reality, but okay. Okay, but it's as much reality it's as not, no. Ad- it's not reality to the Bible. Okay, but either. it's enough. Re- it's as much reality as Adam and Eve, though, right? Um, those no, are, I wouldn't know. That's I, no, top no, it's and not. Tail. No, it's that's not. the start of the story. It's not. That's it's the not. end of it's the not. story. It's not. It's not. It's not because Adam and Eve is the beginning of the Jewish story. Revelation has nothing to do with the Jewish story, so you can't connect them that way. That's not fair. Okay. And Adam and Eve is a origin story right and revelation is a survival story those are two different things they're not connected in that way i don't think okay like one is not like the there's one's not the alpha and the omega the alpha and the omega are within revelation alpha and omega omega within revelation they're not connecting adam and eve to alpha and omega are both in revelation yeah that's where it comes well where's alpha uh, where's the alpha in uh, the book of revelation where's the start beginning of time so wait, the book of Revelation starts with the beginning of time? No, I'm just saying it's talking about from the beginning of time to, right, that, to the, the end of time. Right, the beginning of time is also Genesis. To the end of time, yeah. Right, Genesis is the alpha. <laughs> okay, if you want to do that. Well, what if, if the, your definition of, of the alpha is the beginning of time. Yeah. And then it's... It's, it's not Adam and Eve, though. That's not the beginning of time, right? It like is Adam and Eve come later. Adam and Eve. They come later, though. Yeah, I know, but it's in the book of Genesis. It, yeah, it's yeah. like about a page before, sure, sure, you know, or something. Yeah. But it's not. But we don't know how long a day is in in the in the creation story. Yeah, you do. It's a day. No, but what does a day mean? It's a day. But what does that mean? What that's mean a translation of that's a translation of a, of something. No, but what do, what do you mean? Because it's a translation of a concept into something that we yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Here's how long a day is. Yeah. It's a day because the only thing to define a day <laughs> yeah. is that it's a day. It defines but itself. The, Compared to our days, yeah. our days didn't exist. But don't forget, so you can't compare. But them. Don't forget that the Jewish, the Talmud yeah. does not use the word day. That okay. is a translation that we. That's a translation choice what, we uh, made. What does it use? It uses like a period or whatever, like a time, right? So they. So what does it go like uh, in the beginning? Uh, God created, said, "Let there be light," and yeah. there was light. Yeah. And then a time later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Look, even if you go <laughs> with the idea, the old timey idea yeah. of. 
you know, and then there was a day. I just, what I think okay, is weird. Okay, but even if you do, okay. even if you do, yeah. here's the problem with that. Sure. Uh, so God says, let there be light, and there was light. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, I always like the the old joke uh, about that is like, uh, you know, there was nothing. And then God yeah. said, let there be light. And there was still nothing, but you could see it. So, <laughs> so there is the, so there's light. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the next period of time yes the next the but passage of time for there to be a day yeah the sun would have to go away and come back so does but God there's no the sun, sun yet right there's no sun well there's the light but it's not the sun okay there's light yeah. so for some it's like a, it's it's separating the light and the darkness okay. but not the not the sunlight and right the, and okay the darkness. so there's light and darkness yes all right and we're not even high so there's light <laughs> and there's darkness yeah all right and so what is there to mark a passage of time uh, besides, you know, uh, them changing there's, places? There's not. Like... There's not. It's just an amorphous thing that's going on. Okay. Why even you bring know? it up then? And then there's water. Why bring there's, it up? There's water before anything else. Why bring it up then? It's you like know, God's... There's a passage of time. No, there isn't because there's no time. It, you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. Here's the, the thing is like you cannot say, I don't think the Bible is true. I don't believe in its inerrancy and then criticize it as, it, as if it is inerrant. Well, you can criticize it on its own logic, but it had, know, it's, if, if a guy says like, and then and then the, the yeah. dog uh, walked into the room, yeah. holding its head in its mouth, <laughs> and you go like, oh, okay, wait a minute. But that's a fabulous image, though. It's a fabulous image, but you're seeing something that you can't. Yeah, see. that's fantastic. Yeah, so I, love I can it. criticize that story, yeah. not thinking that it's true. You know, but, but you I can can't criticize, criticize that's... the logic of like you no, can't no, no. carry something in but your own you're mouth. You're wrong. Because you can't criticize that story because you just described one of the greatest images I've ever heard in my life. A dog carrying its head in its own mouth? Yeah, that's fantastic. So, But there is a, there is a flaw to that. There's no flaw. Yeah, there is. Because it's such a beautiful image. Draw it for me. It makes more sense. Draw it for me now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what the picture paints in your mind that's important. Mm-hmm. You know? That's fantastic. Like, if you read, like, creation, it makes no sense in any kind of order. It's like... When people go say things like, oh, you know, you can see how like creation predicted the Big Bang, blah, 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 and they'll describe this. And you're like, that's idiotic because it doesn't have nothing to do with the Big Bang. Yeah. It's the saying that water came first, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. So like the universe is full of water and then he separated the water mm-hmm. from the, you know, it's just like, it's it's just what's important about, what's important about Adam and Eve, like creation myth to me is the idea that God created us and said, this is good. This is great. What I've made is moi, good for me. That's the important part of it, you know. That it it stands outside of other creation myths from that time period of that er, of that region. And then a period later, yeah. you failed me. Get out! <laughs> I'm I'm mad at you. I banish you. That's a, um, yeah. That's a different story. You should story. be ashamed sure, of yourselves. Sure. Yeah. And feel bad about what you are that I've created. Sure. You should feel bad about your nudity. Sure. Because, because even though I made that nudity, because people of that time who are writing these stories or making telling these stories to each other. We're living in a world where people did bad things to each other, and they're trying to understand what makes us be bad. What makes us be bad to each other? We know we should be good to each other. And the answer is women. (laughs) The answer is, yeah, whatever. Women fucked up, and uh, that's why we're bad. Sure. Okay. But I mean, yes, you can read it that way, or both of them fucked up. A lot of people did. Both both of them fucked up, right? And then we get lots of other... We yeah. get lots of murder after that. We get a guy murdering his brother. And then we get people in general being evil. Was it the vegetarian that murdered? Or was it the uh, the guy who was a meat guy? I think it was the farmer who murdered the the meat guy. Yeah, right? I think so too. Yeah. Damn farmers. Did, uh, did Who took over his uh, meat farm after that? <laughs> it's, not, it's not important to the story. 
Because once again, the important part, if you want to live, the important part of the story is that even though Cain did that horrible act, he still had God's grace. You know, that's the important part of that story. Got the mark yeah. of Cain, went to the land of Nod. Is that a thing? Yep. Okay. Yeah. The mark of Cain was, is a protect, protection, right? Yep. Protected him from, from being uh, killed because he has no tribe now. He's, he's, ex, he's, he's outside of, of society. And then we have like the Tower of Babel, you know, which is like the idea of the spread of civilization, right? So they're kind of dealing with all these different elements of, of humanity, right? So the, the changeover from like hunter gatherers to agriculture to agriculture to city states, all these things have sin. There's no way to escape this part of ourselves. And, you know, so it's this widening circle of sin through, through Genesis. And that's kind of what they're talking about there. Mm-hmm. But the essence of it, which goes back to the beginning, is that we are good. In God's eyes, we are good. Okay. You know, and that's an important thing why, to think why, about. Why? Uh, I, don't, I don't see where you get that from, but okay. How do you mean? No, how do you mean? Where do you get that God is, uh, thinks we're good? Because that's what he said when he created us. See, mm-hmm. This is good. Right. He, we were good. No, we are good. No, no. Yes. We're. We are, are good. No, no. We no. always have God's grace. That's what Cain is about. We always have God's grace. Okay, that's fine. So but we like always we were good we to God. were good and then, you know, we said the one the one thing is don't uh, eat from the tree of knowledge. Yeah, so were we good? What's that? Were we good? So as soon as we are given like a something that we shouldn't do, we do it. So were we good? No. Was it, well, what's wrong with eating from the tree of knowledge? Sin is always there. It's fucking sin. Fuck off with the sin. <laughs> like that you're eating from the tree of knowledge. It's not. It's not the. It's not the knowledge. It's the knowledge of death. Okay. That's what that tree is. And so, so it's the knowledge that you have a finite existence on the earth, which is probably one of the major, like, creative like neuroses. Well, it was something that bad was bad behavior. Is something the idea that was so that okay that we eating have a the, finite time on this planet and have to deal with. The reality of death, which is a very hard thing to, for people to deal okay, with. Okay, but do you think? Okay, do you think Adam and Eve should not have eaten from the tree of knowledge? No, they should have. So they should have sinned. Sinning yeah. was the right thing it's, to do. It's unavoidable. We, we'll ha- we have okay, to know so that. but if it's unavoidable, then they don't have a choice, so they didn't sin. Yeah. If you don't have a choice, you you're not a sinner. Sure. Yeah. No, that's no. like that's like saying you're. I'm uh, not saying they didn't have a choice. You fell off a cliff, and no, no. like you're uh, falling is a sin. Well, you don't have a choice. No, no, I'm not saying they didn't have a choice. They did you have did. a choice. Just th- you just said they I'm didn't have a choice. I'm just saying it was it was unavoidable. It was going to happen eventually. Then they didn't have a choice. But they did have a choice. But it was a choice that was hard to not if it, make. Okay, well that right? then then English is wrong <laughs> because if you're saying something's unavoidable, uh-huh. uh, but it's a I'm sin. not saying it's inevitable. I'm just saying what's it's the hard difference to between avoid. inevitable and unavoidable? Uh, that you both things will occur eventually. Yeah, so they have the same result. Well. We have unavoidable a choice in this, and uh, we and still have a choice, though, right? No, we don't. Not if it's unavoidable. It's going to happen eventually. Yes, then you don't have a choice. Yeah. You've just described yeah. some a situation but where you don't have a choice. You have to understand, like it's not, it's not the eating of the apple that it's not God's declaration that it's sinful. It's eating the apple that creates sin because it creates our awareness of our, of our own evil, right? So, so sin when was God there comes, and we just didn't know it. So when God comes down and Adam and Eve are hiding from him, now they have shame, right? Mm-hmm. That's the beginning of like our separation from God. That's what that story is about too, right? So the idea of like man, before that Adam and Eve walked together with God through the garden and you know, and God would come down in the evening and walk with Adam and Adam would name animals and all these mm-hmm. things. So there's this connection to God. After they eat the apple and they're now they're aware of whatever they're aware of. Okay. You know, they're ashamed of their nakedness. Right. They're ashamed 
uh, they just have they, they're different now they're us so god is god angry at adam and eve for i think he's dad angry do you know what i mean okay so you're not really angry but you have to like raise your voice seem pretty angry you have to raise your voice to you know say look what you've done you broke a glass I told you not to take that glass down from there, and now you've broken it. But in your scenario... I'm going to sweep it up and put it in that garbage can. Okay, so you're a dad. Yeah. And you have... uh, You've put a glass of water on the counter. Yeah. And and they're thirsty. you got two thirsty kids. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, whatever you do, don't drink that glass of water. Don't drink that glass of water. And they get so thirsty. Yeah. They're so thirsty. They're so thirsty. To the point where, as you say, it's inevitable that they're going to drink the water. Yeah. Because they've got eternity, mm-hmm. and the water's there, and they're thirsty. Yeah. Uh, one goes up and drinks the water. Why didn't they get now it you, from somewhere else? What's that? Why didn't they get it from somewhere else? Because there's no other tree oh, of there's knowledge. No other. There's sure. no other tree of knowledge. But there's lots of other fruit to eat, right? That's not what this is about. What is it about, then? It's about, he it's said... Knowledge, it was, it's not knowledge, though. Like, okay, you're thinking it's it? about science, right? Is that what you're thinking? I'm thinking... Now they know about I'm science. I'm thinking that they know this tree is unique, and so whatever this tree is... Yeah is unique in the garden. It's sure. the one tree they can't eat from. So yeah. it's unique. Sure. So you can't say there's other trees to eat from because... Yeah. There's lots of apple trees around. No, fuck, it's not an apple tree. <laughs> you know that. So you're it's playing, a, you're playing that dirty game. It's an apple. You're playing that dirty game. It's not an apple. It is not an apple. It did not say it was an apple. Sure. So, you know, you're having... But isn't there something special you're about... You're having your apple and eating But wait a second, too. though. So it if I had a glass of water, yeah, I had a glass of water on on the counter, and I right. said they couldn't drink from it. Yeah, but there's still other glasses of water around. But there aren't. There's no other glasses of water. No, because the one tree <laughs> is the one thing that they can't they can't like uh, partake of. Yeah. So there are no other trees like that tree. So you can't compare. You can't compare. It's the one thing they can't do. It's not like oh, I'd like an apple. But it's just uh, an apple from apple. that tree. What's that? It's just an apple from that tree, right? Is it like a special apple that they're eating? How did how does God describe the tree? I don't think it's described in any way, other than being like an As, apple aside tree. Aside from being the forbidden tree, it's okay. I, so it's forbidden. We assume it's an apple tree because it says an apple. Okay, in, but I, I, who knows what it actually was? But you was. know that it's the forbidden. Maybe it was tree. a fig tree. There is a unique element to this tree, yeah. that is irreplaceable by anything else in the Garden of Eden because it is the one thing that they, that they can't have. have. That's correct. Sure. Okay, but so other it's than not other than other than it being taboo, what makes it different than anything else? Is that not enough? If you have all they don't of existences know, available to you, they don't know that it's special. Thing. They don't know what's special about it, right? Yes, they do. They know that it's the one thing they can't have. Yeah. That's but, what they know about it. And sure. that makes it special in a world <laughs> okay. where everything is available to them. Yeah. The one thing, yeah. it's the most special thing. Okay. Maybe you could say love is special. Sure. But love is everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's it can't be replaced. You're you're doing a false comparison of like, hey, you can't have Coke. How about Pepsi? Pepsi's over here. No, there's no fucking Pepsi. <laughs> you're just making that you're making that shit well, up. So you so in your imagination of the Garden of Eden, there's one tree and the rest of it is like a desert. No, my my uh, my interpretation of the Garden of Eden is yeah. there's one tree they can't uh, partake of the fruit of. Yeah, that's that. But they could have fruit from any other tree in the garden. And you are making that comparable where it is not, because the thing that makes the fruit unique, yeah. and tempting, yes. is that they cannot have it okay. from that one okay. tree. Okay, that's true. So there's no other tree that's comparable. Sure, except that they can't have it. That is the one thing. Yeah. Okay. But there are other trees that they could have it from, but not that. Yeah, which is not the same. There's also probably animals they could eat. Yeah, there's probably carrots in the ground. Yeah, they could probably have sex. I don't think they eat animals at that point. Well, I don't know. Uh, It's it's irrelevant to this this point. (laughs) It's the one. It's the one thing they can't have. Yeah, 
And you're saying that this is inevitable, that they will partake Unavoidable. Because I think, you said because inevitable. I think that, I think that, oh, you're just, you're just I moving think that cups in our and world, balls, man. And I think in our world, I think <laughs> the knowledge of death is inevitable, right? Uh-huh. Like when you're a child, you will not know uh-huh. it. You will not understand it. Mm-hmm. When you're a teenager, you won't believe in it. When you're a young adult, you won't believe it either. Right. At some point in your life, it comes to you what death actually means. And so I do think it's unavoidable. But I think it's you could choose not to think about it your whole life, really. Let's pl- let's play the tape back and see if you said unavoidable or inevitable. I said unavoidable. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And uh, I say the two words uh, would be found in a thesaurus. <laughs> Together? Together. Well, maybe I'm using the wrong word then when I say could it. very well be. Yeah. I, you know, you're doing, I think you're doing arguing well, trickery here. But I, think I don't that, think you're arguing if I could no, say because in what good we're doing, faith. What we're doing is we're talking about something that is ripe for interpretation. That's what Genesis is not. It's not an actual story that happened. It's not right. history. So, so it's up to us to, to take the story and, so I'm trying and to, apply it to how we yeah. want to think about it. So I'm trying to like uh, set up yeah. points that we agree on. Sure. But every time I set up a point that I think we could uh, agree on, sure. all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but what about the other trees? <laughs> like, well, you just made up a bunch of other trees. I didn't make them up. Yes, you did. There's no. There's, there's no other trees. Okay. The, there's so nothing in I'm the story picture the that now. says uh, okay. there's an apple tree and also lots of other apple trees. Let's agree on the story. There's one tree in the middle of a garden, but only one tree that has fruit on it. No, there's just this one tree that and has fruit you can't eat from. Eat that tree. from. They That's... cannot eat from that tree. Yes. And so in the story, yes. what happens? In the story, as far as I know, mm-hmm. and in the story that we actually did a cartoon about this once. <laughs> um, in the story, as yeah. far as I know. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they do not eat of the tree, but a serpent mm. uh, tempts Eve yeah. and says, "You should eat of this of this fruit." Yeah, and uh, the argument is persuasive. Eve partakes of the fruit. Yeah, uh, shares the fruit with Adam. Yeah, Adam at first is like, "I don't know about this," and then, <laughs> and then she you sure. know uh, convinces him and persuades yeah. him. He uh, also does that. God then, who apparently was not watching any of this, because God is not. A watcher of everything at, at, at this point, yeah. Uh, but is more of an old timey kind of Greek god that like shows up sometimes. So God <laughs> then yeah. sees what's going on, yeah. and is uh, is uh, outraged by this. He doesn't and, see what's going on, but yeah, he comes down, comes down, asks, comes down for his usual visit, right? You know, his usual evening visit. Yeah, this is this and is finds like, him hiding later in the bushes. on. You'll find this same scenario where God's like, "Who killed that guy?" I don't know. I'm not I don't know. Brother's keeper. Exactly. You know, uh, who would know? No one could know. I think that. there's things called rhetorical questions, like when you walk in the kitchen and there's a broken glass. Okay. From the so water. Is God asking this water you're talking about yeah. on the counter is laying is on the ground. God asking broken glass. rhetorically currently. Uh, I think that would be a rhetorical question. So yeah. he's rhetorical. Now. Yeah. Okay. So God invented the rhetorical question at this point, <laughs> and asked, you know, what's going on, and. Uh, and, uh, this is why, they, why are you guys hiding in the bushes? They're hiding in the bushes, and uh, then he is outraged and banishes them uh, from the Garden of Eden. They have awareness of their nudity. They, they can no sh- longer, he doesn't banish them, they can no longer live in the Garden of Eden. He does not banish them. That's an important point. What happens to the Garden of Eden? They, they're no, they no longer have access to it, because they are different now, after eating from the apple. So they can't be in the Garden anymore. They have to go out into the world. Okay. Once again, I'm, I'm. I feel like I've got. So God a, makes them clothing. Okay, wait a second though. And then Before, he no, sends I want to them clarify out. this point. Sure. All right. So I'm not banished from this house. I just can't ever enter this house you, again. Yeah, it won't be the same for you anymore. Okay. It won't be the same for you. 
but I could I could like physically come in, but it would be a different environment for me, is what you're saying. I don't. Again, I, I don't know if that. I don't. They're not really clear in that. We're like, now obviously, this is like a, this yeah, is like a legendary. I think it's know, a legendary story. Obviously, yeah. So again, this feels like a nit being picked. It's like you know, uh, you know, they can't return to the garden. Yeah, they so can't. They, so they are whether God does it or not. Yeah, they are not banished. They are removed. Again, to the it's thesaurus. Inic- it's sort of inaccessible. It looks very. It's inaccessible to them. Or if they went in, it wouldn't be the same now. Restricted. It's it wouldn't rest- be the same. It'd be like if you... Paradise is restricted to them now. It'd be like if you loved this garden, if you loved a park and you yeah. went there all the time and then one day you're there and some people beat you up, mm-hmm. just randomly, some random strangers met you there and beat you up. When you went again, it would not be the same park to you anymore. It would never be the same feeling to you. So are you saying... It's like it's like it's a psychological thing. Okay. It's not a so physical thing. So are you thing. saying that... Okay. So they now look around Eden and they see things differently than they did before. Mm-hmm. So... Has Eden always been this, and uh, they are now just aware of it, or is the situation uh, that Eden has changed because they have changed as well? I'm. I mean, what is what is the Garden of Eden, right? Like, what is it? Like, what is it? It's is, something apparently they cannot return to. But I mean, it's just like a state of being, right? Like, doesn't that make more sense than it's an actual physical place? I don't know. Why does that make more sense? That it's because a, it's just, it's just, I it's mean, a, everything's it's a, a story metaphor, of symbols. Basically. Yeah, it's a story of symbols. Yeah. Right. So every, everything's a symbol in this situation. Yeah. So you just got to like pick your poison on that. Okay, fair enough. So, <laughs> well, that's, that's so the they nature. are removed. Welcome to the Bible. They are removed from the garden yeah. of, of, of Eden. They wear clothing because they know they're nude. God makes them clothing. Okay. And then because they they're going to be cold. They wear said clothing. Oh, yeah. they weren't cold in the garden. No, no. So they just walk around naked. Were they not aware? Did they not have the I don't, knowledge I don't that know. they were cold before? I don't know. I don't know all Because it sounds like you're now saying physical reality has changed. I don't know what's. I don't know it all, Ian. It's well, a, these it's, are just things you're you're bringing up. Like, like you're saying, like you made made yeah. them co- clothing. I'm just like, adding in some of the details. And you just went because they were cold. Yeah. And so I'm following up on what you're saying about their cold. I don't know. You tell me. No, you just said it. I'm like, just saying what's in the book. I'm not. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm not making it up. You made them clothes because they were cold. Oh, we're, we're, so it wasn't cold before? I don't know. He <laughs> just said they were cold. Okay, fine. All right. All right. It's dodge dodgems. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, everybody. I don't understand what you mean by dodge and dodgems. Like, what, you what do you want me to say? know what I mean by dodge Okay, here, I'll say what you want me to say. God is a fucking asshole because he uh, kicked uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden. Is that what you want me to say? Is that the story? They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden because God is an asshole. And the history of the Bible is God is mean and evil to us. Because that's what it feels like you want me to say. And I don't want to say that about it. No, that seems to be something you want to say. Okay. <laughs> so I just, okay, I want to interrupt you. I feel like I'm approaching this. No, I'm going to say, I feel like I want to interrupt you anymore. I feel like I feel like But yet you're doing it to just <laughs> right now. Okay. <laughs> you're interrupting me to say you want to interrupt sorry, me. Sorry, sorry. Okay. I feel like I am trying to impro- approach this with sincerity. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to, you know. I understand that there are elements of the Bible that you believe, and I respect that. I respect that you do, and I respect that other people do. There are confusing elements to it Mm -hmm. that uh, I uh, want to ask questions about, but it feels like when I do that, it's coming at it from two angles, and then the floor shifts, and then it's uh, it's it's not uh, addressed with the same sincerity. It feels like it's being addressed as someone trying to win an argument by twisting words. Okay, I'm and, sorry, I'm not trying to do that. I just, okay, that's what it, I'm trying to give like 
Because I feel like, let me just, I just want to interrupt you just to say this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, when you I said you were going to interrupt me, I'm I was sorry, like, sorry. I, I was going to say this. so much money down because that, that can't occur. Because to me, it's, it's not reality in the sense that it's symbolically true. Right. But it's not like factually true. It's not like something that actually happened. And so I have like my own feelings about what the story means, you know? And so I just, I'm trying to like keep that present Right. But I'm not trying to like undercut you, and I'm sorry if that okay. if it feels that way. I just want to make little interjections just to kind of point out some of the things I think the story has been retold many times. Right. But I think some things are left out of it that I think are important. Okay. If you're if you're arguing about politics, here's what people do: you you get into a, you get into a debate about a specific issue, and then uh, a parallel issue is brought in when the when the discussion can't go further. But it's, it's used then to, uh, take the first person down a bit, or you change a word, or you, or you, you, you pick, you find an element in what they said that isn't about what you're really talking about, but it's something that weakens the person's argument a bit or makes them look like they don't know what they're talking about. And then the topper to that is, well, I guess what you're saying is, we should just feed the poor to the rich. Is that what you're saying? And it feels like that's what you were doing at the end where you're going like, and I guess you're just saying God's a son of a bitch. And it's like, well, clearly I'm not saying that. Yeah. That's, you know, I'm not saying that. I just felt like I just, it just had that feeling to me. And I'm sorry that I took it that way. Cause I, I do apologize. I just felt like I'm sort of fighting. I just want to make it clear that I feel like this story is not an e- act of an evil God. And I know like it, people read it that way, and I just I keep wanting to say like, you know, it's like a different people wrote these stories, right? You know, from a totally different time yeah. than ours. But you keep throwing in elements like, you know, these two words which mean the same thing yeah. don't mean the same thing. You know, it's uh, preventable, yet it's you know <laughs> inevitable, inevitable, and the same and the same thing. And I get that. Yeah. In matters of faith. You can have both things mm. exist at the same time. Yeah, so dog can come in the room with his head in his mouth. That's right. <laughs> and so my, my, yeah, that's right. So the problem with a, a dog coming into the room with his head in his mouth is people are, are like, you know, having two things that can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Anyone can then just grab the element that they want. Mm-hmm. And because anyone can grab the element that they want, the story means multiple things. And because of that, does the story not mean nothing? Because, like, if, 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 if something can mean two things at the same time, does it mean anything? Yes and no. Aha! <laughs> there we go. Sorry. I'm just going to say, like, I feel like it's the fruit of the, tr- the, fruit of the tree argument, right? Like, like, religion, like anything in life, whether it's philosophy or religious philosophy or whatever, mm-hmm. it bears, it, it, you have to, like, give it time. And the fruit bears, you know, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the the result of it is, you know? So, like, overall, I'm not going to... Obviously, Christianity has tons of problems. It's a trouble, troublesome history. Okay. Some might even call it problematic. Okay. But I think overall... It might get cancelled. It might get cancelled. Yeah. If someone tried to introduce it now, it definitely would get cancelled. Um, but I think that overall, over the long history of, of Christianity... Mm-hmm despite some bad things happening to it, like being made a state religion and things like that. I think it has a pretty good track record in terms of like as a philosophy, as something that as a guiding force for people. Okay. But is it troublesome? Yes, for sure. You know, lots of, there's lots of like evil that can come out of Christianity. There can be um, 
whatever they call that new kind of um, like the sort of money Christianity. It has some sort of sure. name for it. Yeah. You know, or rapture theology, the us and us versus them idea of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of women's place in Christianity, which at one point was very, very powerful in the church. But when it became popular, all the women got kicked out and the men took over all the positions of power. Seems pretty standard. Pretty standard story, yeah. yes. So, so despite great beginnings and lots of uh, cul-de-sacs and, and dead-end roads and a history of genocide, uh, I do think that Christianity overall, because whatever, let's face it, whatever was in the place of Christianity would have had a history of genocide attached to it. That's, well, we'll never know. We'll never know, but you know, if you look around the whole history of the world, that just seems to be that's just the way it was the for whole, a long time. I mean, again, what's part of the whole history of the world? It's the it's the elephant in the room, and the elephant's always been there. Yeah, you know, or not always. But been I'm just there, saying, if but, you look at other parts of the world that didn't have Christianity, they yeah. also have like their own sure. histories of of problematic, yeah. troublesome behavior. So when well, yeah when <laughs> and if I'm if I was being cheap I'd go you know and if you're if you're uh, if your final argument is like well you know there's genocide everywhere <laughs> you know that's not that's, <laughs> that's not, not the a best great sales pitch that's not a great argument the important thing is that it's if that what you believe in is self critical and allows for change well that's the thing now this is this is I think my problem here is like okay. I don't believe that when we're having a, a, an argument or a debate. Uh, and it's not in good faith, then it is self-critical. I don't know. It's if, not self-critical. I don't think it is self-critical. Yeah. No, yeah, I would I agree with you. The, if yeah. I'm being defensive, then I'm then I'm being wrong, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, yeah. And maybe. I'm not saying I wasn't being defensive, because I'm sure I was, because I do get defensive about these things. Fair enough. So. Yeah, there's a le- there's a later, like, letter that we've, we're yeah. going to be reading that uh, that kind of discusses that a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting... Uh, uh. And, was like, <laughs> and then this came up, and I was like, well, oh, this feels a little bit like... Uh, uh, uh. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think I read all the letters then. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a letter from someone you know who uh, was discussing uh, when, we're, uh, when we were talking about school and whether school... Uh, is part of raising a child. Okay. And, uh, and the, uh, and, and the argument there is that you were being obtuse. I was being obtuse. That is, yeah, okay. We'll get to that letter All right. at, at the end. Uh, I'll have to look up what that means. Okay. Before we get there. I had to as well. <laughs> it's one, it's of, one the, of those words I feel like I know. If I knew, if I saw it in context, I'd right. be like, oh, I get it. But if you just, if you just call me. It's kind of like being, uh, purposely deceptive in, uh, you know, or dodgy uh, uh, when when you know really what's going on, but you're going. So what are you saying? Hmm. Okay, go on. All right, explain more. And you know, you know actually what what is being said, but you're okay. You know, being purposefully sure, sure. wily about what's going. What's okay. Going on. Okay. We can we can get to that. That uh, would that describes me pretty well. We can get to, yeah. To That's that the part. older brother style of arguing. And I feel, yeah, I feel like you know me well enough to know that at least I, I that I am trying to approach this with some yes. sort of sincerity. I, I know that. And also, I hate winning an argument. <laughs> you hate winning. An argument? I really do. I hate winning a fucking argument. <laughs> I feel that the, way too, actually. Yeah, because it's shitty. It's like yeah. at the end of it, you feel like, nah, the other person feels bad. Yeah. I don't know. I still feel the same way I did. I, yeah. Mm, There's been no growth or nothing. It's just it's a shit. It's, yeah, it's shitty to win an it, argument. And it's weird too. Like if I heard if I had a friend like you know I've, most of my friends are atheists, so this is like nothing. Nothing new to me, but if I had a friend who like came to me and they're like, uh, or I heard about them, and they're like, oh, you know, so and so, they're they're a Christian now, they going to church, blah blah blah. I, I would literally be like, oh, that's too bad, because <laughs> they because they didn't believe in it before. Like I would right. feel like they feel like oh, they gave up on what they held so dear to them. 
which was their atheism or their agnosticism, which, you know, meant so much to them. I wonder what made them stop. <laughs> it was so weird. Rather than feel like I'm supposed to be evangelical and be like, hooray for our side. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, that's too bad. Because I, I enjoy I enjoy that part of my friends, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it'd be weird to me that... Uh, yeah, you love people for who they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that and that's, that's the thing. And so... I would never like accuse you of like trying to convert people for, but like you know, if it was just a big, broad Twitter style freaking argument, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it would be those kind of big, broad strokes that you'd bring out because that's the kind of shit you bring out, mm-hmm. and 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 if the, and when that gets sort of brought out in real life, it's just like ugh, it's gross that it's in real life. Yeah, isn't that isn't good? Yeah, we're being dodgy and we're being mean and we're being <laughs> this and we're being that, and things aren't really being said. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so and so yeah. Yeah, for me, I feel like even though I even though I I went through like EFM, which is education for ministry, which I'm terrible at, obviously. Um, I feel like I don't know enough about it. By the way, be... that sounds that sounds good. It sounds like you're humble about it, which is exactly <laughs> how you should be at the end of it. If anyone goes nailed it, I'd be like, no, and no. also not a good phrase. <laughs> but. I feel like I don't know enough about it to be like a true defender of the faith. And I don't even like apologetics, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like there was a, a short time where I was into uh, watching YouTube videos of like atheists debating oh, yeah, a, yeah, a believer, you know, yeah. so be like, uh, uh, say Dawkins or, um, or, um, that journalist Hitchens. Hitchens, people like that. Yeah. All the ins. And those are kind of enjoyable a little bit, but when you listen to them, Neither side is convincing. They're just kind of making like a very pat argument that obviously plays to the room. And no one in the audience is going to walk out of there going, you know what? I didn't believe in Christianity before, but after listening to that guy make a, that incredibly precise uh, head on a pin argument about infinity, I am a big believer now. Yeah. You know, this is like, it doesn't really work that way. You know, it's, you know, it's the idea, it, play, it plays on the fallacy that we're logical beings when we're really emotional beings. And we make our choices on, based on emotional things not on a logical thing we don't go a plus a equals a we go like i feel like having a (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's also you know what jigsaw puzzle pieces are missing in you yeah and you know and what what faith or what aspects of uh, faith will uh, fill those for you and so you know yeah i mean the thing that will get you more i think into a faith or lack of or not faith Mm -hmm. uh philosophy um, would be you see someone who you admire and they're a good example and you're going, they're living their life in a way that I admire. That is and the best. Yeah, yeah that sure. is the best. And you're just like, so how do you do this? Well, you know, I meditate a bit. I do this and this, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I do this and I, and this works for me. I'm like, well, okay. And not trying to push you on it. Yeah. You know. Or, but, and just saying, I'm glad that works for you. Mm-hmm. I go down this path, but that's fine because that's a different path and that works for me. Right. And that's that's how it should be. And that be. someone that's missing an element from their life might see that and go, okay, well, that's worth looking into or that's worth checking out or that's worth, you know, seeing. And, and if nothing else, just because the world's an interesting place with lots of things in it, maybe we should check different things out and mm-hmm. maybe it'll broaden your mind or broaden your spirit or what, what have you. I guess one or have a religious war. One of the two. <laughs> either either it's good. You know. Witch. You know what? Uh, burn some women as witches. Why not? Why not? Let's argue about. I know they didn't. Ague they open. didn't really uh, do a lot of that. They did more of crushing. Ugh. Yeah, that seems worse somehow. I know it's always weird when pr- people bring that up and just yeah. like you know there wasn't a lot of witch burnings. Oh really? What what was it? It was more crushing between stones. Oh well then, yeah. I stand corrected. You <laughs> fucking freak. <laughs> 
That's okay. A, does that, yeah, does that make it sound better? Good technical point. Yeah. They did burn people. Maybe yeah, that was more did, of a European thing. As, yeah. Maybe it was a European thing, and North America had its own thing. Mm-hmm. Their own beat. Um, it's funny. We've known each other for a long time. Oh, we sound like we're at the start of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> or the end. Oh, shit. You're right. Okay, neither <laughs> of us can go on a long trip. <laughs> We've known each other a long time. So it's funny when we argue... It almost brings out a part of me, or it does bring out a part of me that I don't, I don't like, which is my argumentative mm-hmm. self. And like I said, that's older brother training. Because um, there was a time in my life when I loved to argue. Yep. And I would argue like at the drop of a hat. Yep. And there was a point I reached, like before I turned 20, around, around my like turning 20 maybe, I just said to myself, I don't like this person. Like, he is a grade A bore and not very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And like, I just resolved to not be that person anymore. And part of what helped was meeting Lisa, because I could be a new person for her. I didn't have to be the same person I had been for my, my high school friends. Mm-hmm. I could kind of change who I was. And just, so I just sort of dropped this idea of like constantly arguing about whatever, you know, just taking like the, you know, like I would just like take, you know, I just argue against Darwinism or evolution. Like I didn't believe in it. I didn't believe in what I was arguing for. Yeah. But I would just like take that side and just like torment some poor person. And I seemed to find it amusing. And at some point I just thought, oh, this is so awful. What an awful person I am. That's not an awful person. It's awful. No, you're you're at a, a stage in life where you're trying to find yourself and find out who you are. Yeah. That's the thing. So you're the trying- wrong way. <laughs> so- no, no, that's okay. But, but that's what that's what you do when you're young. You, yeah. You you go to the the wardrobe and you try on different outfits mm-hmm. and they're and they're your personalities and you see what works for you. And then eventually you find out what hat you wear and then you uh, wear that and then hopefully you change your hat a couple of times in life. <laughs> but yeah, sure. you definitely do. Yeah. I'm kind of, I was, again, I saw my nephew, uh, I didn't say this before, but I saw my nephew and niece yesterday. Okay. And it's nice seeing that they're still themselves, but they're also, you know, growing and becoming mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. and I, it's just like, yeah, they're trying on different new things. And, you know, I'm trying to support whatever they're doing. And I'm trying sure. to, this is a. Trying to understand it. Trying to, well, trying to, <laughs> I am. Yeah. This is sincere. Yeah. And, sure. and, and sorry to change the topic a little bit. No, no, this to, is good. To this. But like. Um, you know, they'd be, both of them have made some, some, some big life choices about, you know, college and whatever, the, mm-hmm. what they're going to do. And I just felt like this is really important with them telling me this to react positively. And if not, if not, you know, fakely positively, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's great. But <laughs> no college, eh? Fantastic. He's like, no, it's okay. Uh, but just like, to do follow-up questions mm-hmm. about what they what they're interested in and what this or whatever they're pursuing, yeah, and make sure that those follow-up questions do not involve and how much can you make at that? Because <laughs> those were the questions I got when I yeah, was yeah. that age. Just and like they're, they're so they're so destructive. Oh, you those like questions. Uh, being a writer, huh? Mm-hmm. What can you make as a writer? Huh? Mm-hmm. Do... But yeah, I was just like, no, whatever you're going down, I support. And, you know, I'm interested in and just making as, as basic as this is, I want you to know whatever you are and whatever you become. I love you. Yeah. And I'm and also not just love you, but I'm interested mm-hmm. in whatever you become. Yeah. So this is all fine. There's no decisions you're going to make about jobs or whatever things that are going to disappoint me. I yeah. just I love you and I'm, I'm interested in seeing where you're going to go and you fascinate me and you're great. <laughs> and it was just like this big active, sure. active thing. Sure. Yeah. But it's but all- you were doing that. You were just trying to figure like, what am I? You know, how do uh, I define myself? Sure. You were trying to like, you know, you know, because you feel you're 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 young and you, you don't feel strong, and so it's I, like I you guess. get a sense of strength out of like 
I'm gonna mm, defend, and I'm gonna you know, this, and yeah, that makes I, sense. Personally, I just people like, know I'm smart. That'll yeah, be good. Well, that's it. I think that personally, it kind of falls under the sin of pride. The idea of like, I gotta show people how smart I am because I'm pretty smart. And they gotta know it. Yeah, and I was probably like, I gotta show people I'm funny because if I'm funny, they'll <laughs> like me, and uh, then I'll be okay. Yeah, and, but I, I, I've got to. And it, you know, makes a neediness, and you know, again, I was just trying on hats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you were funny, so that's the important thing. Well, you caught me late, late in that development, not the <laughs> awkward early times where things were like, Ugh. yeah. Uh, I don't know. You did those great cartoons in the uh, annuals at junior high. Wow, those went over so great. You know what? No, they didn't. They did not. I got like so brutally. Oh well, that's sh- just shed for those things. You you got them. It's okay. That's those are the kind of like signals you send out. Yeah, and like certain people that's, go, I get it, I get it. But the majority, that I got your message in the bottle. That's right. And then when I met you, I could connect the two, and I'm like, that's, I like this that's person. Right. You those and you do I send enjoyed. out the message in the bottle, but most people will not understand the message. No, in the they won't. They're like, what's this garbage? Toss it back in. <laughs> Yeah, that's standard. Exactly. I think when you were talking about the argument thing, the thing that you got to like watch out for, at least I definitely have to watch out for, is like when you're arguing with someone that you care about and you've known for years, yeah. you know the weak spots and uh, those are the dick moves to go to. Yes, that's right? exactly right. And that's, the, that's and when you're arguing to... with a brother or yeah, like when yeah. I argue with my sister. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I've got, okay, well, I could win this right now by poo poo poo. <laughs> but like then that's really well, ugly. And yeah, bad. what's the point of that? And we're not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's shit. There's nothing to be won there. And I think I think there's a lot of couples that uh, do that. Mm-hmm. There's just like they save up the resentments and they lock away the you know the oh yeah well you never <laughs> like oh boy kaboom when that comes out look out yeah that was that was one thing my wife and I uh, made real clear when we started going out was like we're not locking away ammo for future things okay. if something bugs you say it now let's get that out of the way sure and you know we're not loading up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That takes a certain measure of of honesty that I approve of, as you know. I approve of honesty yeah. in relationships. Well, it also takes uh, being in relationships before where you know what's brought everything down. <laughs> but also it takes a certain thickness of skin to be able to take some criticism from someone for things that you yeah. think are great about yourself. You might think or haven't noticed before as being annoying. And then when they're pointed out to you, that's, I don't know if I could take that. It's a tough one. Yeah. It's like, do you take it as a opportunity for growth or do you take it as an opportunity for, I'll show you, you mm-hmm. think you're so great. Yeah. Well, that, that writer I like in the Atlantic, uh, who writes how to, how to build a better life. Uh, he was just talking about that actually it was uh, candor in a relationship. She says, which is difficult, but important because yes, it actually strengthens the relationship because there's more honesty and yes, you should always try to be truthful. Try is the obviously that's obvious that's I think word. yeah I mean you got to balance that with the fact that like everyone's got baggage from the past mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so yeah shit's gonna pop up that you had nothing to do with <laughs> and what's this about this sure. is from Christmas in 1978 yeah and here yeah. it is and you're gonna be paying the price for this one right now sure um, sure but yeah yeah you try you try your best yeah you know you can have people in your life who have tense times in their lives. You know, and then you, you have to navigate that carefully. You know, you can't. And you just sort of know when that's happening and just try to get through it. It's weird. Again, I, I, I made a post a little while ago about uh, kind of abuse I had when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I had, had a lot of people post underneath. And it was very, very sweet. Yeah. Um, 
But like so many people said, and this sounds like I'm doing a, a brag, but it's the only way I can get this through, and it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, all these people were saying, like, you know, you've always been so kind. Mm. And like these are people who have known me since like junior high. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, you're wrong. No, I was in, a- no, I was in my head. <laughs> like, I, I remember I lived in this body, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I existed for all the times that I've existed. And I'm like, I don't remember myself being kind. I do. Like, so. I, I don't. And it's yeah. so weird mm. to, like, look back and just go, like, I'm glad that that, that I presented as that. And, uh, but. Uh, well, let's face it. It's a low bar, high school kindness. Okay. Like, so don't get too big headed about Fair it. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, because. But it's even people <laughs> since then, you know, <laughs> you where I've been kind, like an adult and But you shit. are a kind person. It, but I don't, I don't get that. Like, it, I. Yeah. Because it's it's in you, then it's ugh, just who you are. So yeah, you I can't help it. I try. It's your it's your nature. Times. It's your nature. But like, I mean, I honestly feel like I yeah. only really came into my empathy like maybe like ugh, like fifteen years ago. Sincerely, okay. It's like you never heard of the story of the frog and Ian Boothby. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me. So that. one day there's a frog sitting on the side of a creek, okay, and Ian Boothby comes pyramid. along. Yeah, Ian Boothby comes along, and he says, "Would you mind giving me a ride to the side?" And the frog's like. Well, I know if I do this, you're going to kill me partway through because I know you love frog legs. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm not going to kill you partway through because if I did that, we would both drown. And he says, okay. So they swim across, but halfway through the frog gets really nervous and seems okay. And he gets to their bank and then Ian Boothie gets off and he says, I can't believe you didn't kill me. He says, I'm kind. It's in my nature. It's a famous story. Oh, I can't believe you don't know that story. I was going to say like the, the story is this. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the frog... Uh, <laughs> And the frog goes, uh, wait a minute, I'm a frog. I can swim. What the fuck am I doing? Well, no, in the story, uh, you're not swimming. He's, you're swimming on the back of the frog. That's, uh, you're the, oh, I'm on the back of the yeah, frog. Yeah, yeah, you're on the back of the frog. Oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah. fine. Then. Yeah, right, yeah. Good. yeah. All right. Makes you can't sense. get across. It's too big a river for you. You're very small. You're, you're the size of a frog for some reason in the story. I don't know what happens. Yeah, am, I, am I small I don't know what happens. a frog? I don't know what happens. Uh, uh, now, a giant frog. Now's the time where you start arguing both things simultaneously. <laughs> and I'm like, we're it's, back to it's this. It's symbolic. It's Listen, so obtuse. The frog came into the room with its head in its mouth. Oh, my stars. <laughs> I want to get to these letters. Um, but, uh, but to do so. We have to get to the music. We must go through the music. We must go through the tunes. <laughs> okay. I uh, used to do a show, and that show was called The Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Yeah. And it, hey, everybody, if you want to listen to those shows, uh, you still can. They're available on our website, sneakydragon.com, right? Yes. Good. Uh, you can listen to every one of them, hosted, uh, co-hosted by Mary Dedrick. Uh, and uh, very well done. And uh, she'll do things like, oh, dad. <laughs> if you like hearing that kind of thing. That's that's the show for you, but um, but they wrap that one up because Dave's got horse mysteries to do and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Coming but, back very soon, but we are now getting little tastes of uh, of 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 uh, the uh, listening party now at the end of every other episode. So I cast this over to David. You cast a spell? Yes, I know you're the host of this one, but you can't introduce yourself. So that's, <laughs> that's true. I'm doing this bit. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I'm looking a man for cannot my... uh, introduce himself. So saith the book <laughs> of uh, segways. The book, book of segways. Oh, the book of segways. That's famous. What part of the uh, apocrypha? Of course, it wasn't in the whole Bible, but for whatever reason, it was yeah. put into the middle of the, the Catholic Bible. Um, everyone, let me just try and find an email I sent to myself that says top five. 
Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Dave also uh, <laughs> picks a theme oh, every time. And uh, sometimes the themes are suggested by you, the listeners. And if you want to suggest a theme, you're more than welcome to. Yes, please. Uh, but, uh, but you picked this one yourself. Yes, I did. Very good. What is it? This one is... It's kind of an odd one. I don't know why I thought Explain it. yourself. This is uh, Bell Bottoms. I know. What are you, where's that well, coming from? I was, just, I was listening to some music and then the song came on about Bell Bottoms. and I, about? I thought, this is weird. Like, are, are there like a lot of songs about Bell Bottoms? I don't know. There's at least five. All right. Because we got five of them here. There's actually one more and I didn't use it because it's kind of an older song, but it was called Bell Bottom Blues. And the reason it's called Bell Bottom Blues. Wait a second. You did use a song called Bell Bottom Blues. But this is a different Bell Bottom Blues. God, and the, okay. Yeah, and this song is about a, a woman whose boyfriend is a sailor, and he's gone away to sea, okay. and that's why she's blue. And sailors wear bell bottoms. That's where bell yes. bottoms became became a thing. And so, bell bottom blues. That's where that came from. Now, bell bottoms became a style in the '60s. Sure. And so this made people start singing about bell bottoms, <laughs> and. For whatever reason. Did people sing about different types of pants? Yes, they did. Like, I know uh, she wears short shorts. Short shorts, yeah. There's a song about hip, um, like, um, um, hot pants. I was going to ask if there's a yeah. hot pants song. There's a song by the main ingredient. Uh, hot, like I think the song is like Hot Pants in the Summertime or something like that. It's a great, great song. I mean, hey, modern sing- songwriters, yeah. cargo pants. It's right there. And James Brown did a hot pants song as well. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. There you go. I'm sure there's miniskirt ones, but maybe I, I just don't know those ones. Okay, so let's start off. This song, did, did you know the first song at all? No, I knew none of these songs. Oh, okay. Okay. I put this one on, I was kind of like, oh, this song's probably pretty well known, but it's one of my favorite songs. Okay. And I'm not like a huge fan of this artist, who in this case is going under a nom de tune. Oh. Because this is Derek and the Dominoes, which is actually Eric Clapton and some friends, some heavy friends, uh, playing a, as a the titular band, Derek and the Dominoes. And uh, this is from their one and only album, Leila, and uh, and other assorted love songs from 1971. But this is uh, Bell Bottom Blues. Oh, nice. Okay. This is the album that Layla comes from. All right. Do you know the song Layla? Yeah, yeah. Which is, I don't think is a great song, although the ending's beautiful. Like, I love the piano coda to the song. But I feel like the first part is too shouty, and the guitars are just He all did over a slower place. version of it later on. Yes, right? he did, yeah. like, an unplugged version yeah. of it. okay. But I do love the, the kind of elegiac piano fade out part of it which wasn't written by eric clapton it was actually written by the drummer in the group jim gordon oh okay was uh i think he co-wrote it with his then girlfriend rita coolidge and so he was playing it in the studio because he was using this is the thing so jim gordon was using the studio in the after hours when when derek and the dominoes weren't using it so he was kind of he was kind of like piggybacking on their studio time and so then eric clapton heard this song and he he thought it'd be perfect for the end of Layla. And so he made a deal with Jim Gordon that he would, they would use that song for the end of Layla, and then he could continue to get free, okay, free right. recording time in the studio. Neat. But anyway, that's I've not even the song. This all right. Is, this is got, <laughs> I, that reminds me, I've got a music question for you later on. Okay. Okay. So hopefully I don't get as defensive. So <laughs> um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, this is Bell Bottom Blues uh, from Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, an album that he was called, it's just something to say, this song, album is called Derek and the Dominoes because Eric Clapton wanted to hide behind a pseudonym because many, most of the songs I hear about his mad love for George Harrison's wife, Patty. Wow. And so it's all love songs directed towards her. The song Bell Bottom Blues is a reference to her sending him out one day to buy her some bell bottoms. Okay. And so that's where this song comes from. But I love this song very much. Let's all give it a listen. 
Cumberback. Yeah, it's not super my thing, but I really like the build. Yes. That was a really nice build. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's written by Eric Clapton and Bobby Whitlock. So Eric Clapton at that time was kind of at loose ends. He had been in Cream for a number of years mm-hmm. with Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker. And that band sort of ego imploded. And he then he formed Blind Faith, which was kind of one of the very first supergroups. Okay. So it was Eric Clapton with Stevie Winwood, who had been in the Spencer Davis group and then in Traffic. And then um, it had a couple other people that weren't quite as big, but those two guys made it a supergroup. Ginger Baker was the drummer, and the bass player, whose name I can't remember now, was from Family. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So while they were touring as Blind Faith, though, they had the opening act was Delaney and Bonnie uh, and Friends, which was kind of like this sort of loose aggregation of, of American musicians who played in a kind of gospel soul style. And Eric Clapton, kind of like George Harrison, they both fell in love with this group for whatever oh. reason. I think the an- anonymity was appealing to them because they okay. could just be part of this big stage yeah, yeah. group and be kind of at the back and doing their thing. And no one was going like, you know, Eric, Eric Clapton is God. <laughs> and George, love the Beatles. You know, it's just they're just anonymous yeah, they're players. Musicians again, yeah. And so Eric Clapton recorded his first solo album, Eric Clapton. And so he borrowed some of the players from... Delaney and Bonnie. So that would be like Bobby Whitlock and Jim Gordon, the drummer, and Carl Rattle, the bass player, joined him on on this. And then that kind of like morphed into Derek and the Dominoes. And so they recorded that album as Derek and the Dominoes. And and by the way, Layla was not a hit when it came out. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It when was, did it become a hit? It became a hit when it was released like two, two or three years later. Okay. Uh, Best of Eric Clapton was released. Huh. And it was on that album that it became from that album that it became a big hit, which is weird. Like, okay. It's totally missed. This song was a single, didn't hit. Layla was a single, didn't okay. hit. But yeah, a couple of years later, suddenly it became a big, big deal. But anyway, yeah, quite. Uh, I really love this uh, album. I don't love the album actually. I shouldn't say that. I really love this song. Okay. The rest of the album, I'm so so on because it's like a lot of blues playing, which I'm not really that big on. But uh, great song, Bell Bottom Blues. You made me cry. Um. Let's go on to your next song. This is a song by Sonny Warner uh, on the Checker label, Checker Records, which was a subsidiary of Chess Records. This is something I brought up on, <laughs> I brought up on, yes, connects, right? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, it, this is something I brought up on Sneaky Dragon because I never understood why there were labels that would have subsidiary labels. Like there was Motown, but there was also Tamla, and there was one other one that, um, I can't remember what it's called now. There was would one other one. specific person be in charge of these labels, and that's why? No. They were could be all under the same, like Barry Gordy ran all of the okay. labels. That, uh, and uh, the reason was, is because in the days of Paola, it would look suspicious if one label had like a lot of hits ah. in the charts. So you would split out your artists across your label. So, for instance, yeah. Otis Redding wasn't on Stax Records. He was on Volt Records. And so when Otis hit, there was a lot of Volt records in the charts but other stack starters would be there too but it wouldn't look like there was some sort of collusion between djs and, and okay. the labels so that was the reason they did that but anyway i was gonna say like this sounds like it's a scam hey there we go <laughs> it was a scam yeah 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 so this is Sonny, so sunny warner was a dc washington dc based singer for many years he actually uh performed out of seattle for for a number of years with the jay mcneely group uh which is kind of like a kind of a rough r&b sort of group 
Because in those days, all bands that played in Seattle were rough because that was a rough town. It was a longshoreman town. It was a lumberjack town. <laughs> so you just, you had to like. And not a PNE lumberjack town. Yeah, not a PNE. It would be like sawing a little stool <laughs> that's for right. someone. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. That's part of that bit. <laughs> Ugh. But anyway, yeah, so those were rough towns. So like, you know, all the bands that came to those places were like crazy bands, right? Because you had to like, you had to hit hit these guys where they, where they lived. And, but uh, he came back to Washington, D.C. and then. Um, he recorded a couple songs for for Checker, and this is one of them. This is this is uh, Bell Bottom Blue Jeans from 1966. Yeah. So let's give this a listen. Here's Sonny Warner. Ten percent of the songs I grew up on. Yeah, that's very familiar sound to me. Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, it's a comfort. It's a comforting sound. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. So, like in in Montreal, you're saying? Yeah, Montreal. Yeah, that's growing that's up like in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I feel like growing up besides besides Motown, I did not hear any black artists growing up. Like my first 
Like, yeah, maybe Montreal was more so. Yeah. I mean, it's always had kind of a jazz scene there, mm-hmm, so maybe mm-hmm. that uh, compares to it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, like as we know, like like the black neighborhood was like driven out of existence. Yeah. Um, uh, due, you know, through city planning, nefarious city planning, and and so we don't we don't really have much of a black culture here. And so, like growing up, like you would hardly ever find like soul records in 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 thrift stores and stuff like that. You would, you know, like I, I remember when I first went to buy a Prince record, it was in its own section, yeah. like of black artists that were separate separated from like the whatever they were, the rest, white artists or whatever yeah. mainstream artists. So some kind of weird. The segregation of, of of like why is Prince a top forty artist in in this section? Like I can understand like if you want to have like a soul section, but why would you like put all artists there as if they all were the same, right? Um, yeah, I re- again I remember like when when Thriller was a big hit. And, yeah, uh, a yeah, friend, Michael Jackson, a friend, yeah. yeah, a friend's dad. You uh, came up and just like, oh, Michael Jackson, eh? I really enjoy black music. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is beyond. Yeah, that but it's right point. now. Yeah, this is kind of like just the music. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. This, point. this has but Eddie okay. Van Halen on it. This is yeah. not black music. Anymore. But by the way, good for you, sir. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I mean, to be fair, that's a real statement in that time period because I feel like I grew up in a very white bread culture, and I remember like when I first started listening to black music, I had a hard time like getting it because it's a slightly different beat. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's a little they push it differently or they pull it back a little differently than than white players do, and so listening to it it felt very different from to me and it took me a while to like understand it mm. and I had to like make an effort to like go okay I'm gonna listen to this and I'm gonna get it you know, whereas my daughters just grew up listening to it and so they the, to them it's like nothing right like but to me I had to like make this change my the way my what I listen to, um, but that, yeah, that is a great song by the way I enjoyed it a lot. Um, this song's probably very well known as well. This could go on my other list of songs I've been sort of thinking about, which is, uh, I don't think I'll do it as a top five because I, I have to like think about it more, but songs that are popular because they were in movies or in TV shows or something. You know, like you never would have heard of this song. Like this song would not be like generally known, out, you know, like unless you bought Orange, the John Spencer Blues Explosion album in 1994. You would know this song from that. You might have seen it, the video maybe on Much Music or something mm-hmm. when it was on like in their one hour of like oddball videos that was at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you might have caught it there. Yeah. But other than that, you wouldn't have heard it on the radio unless you listened to a college radio or something like that, right? So it feels like it was a very obscure song. And then it was in Baby Driver. And then it's on the soundtrack to Baby Driver. Oh, okay. So now people are going to know Bell Bottoms by the John Spencer Blues Explosion. All right, all right. The same way that, you know, people weren't generally listening to Kate Bush anymore. You know, unless you're a weirdo like me that has all all her records. Yeah. But, you know, then Running Up That Hill gets, or not Running Up That Hill, it's Running Up That Hill, Running Up That Hill gets played on uh, in Stranger Once Things. Once again, my, my niece is a huge Stranger Things fan and just was introduced to Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. now that song was in the top 10. Absolutely. It was maybe number one. Yeah. Because there's just not that much in sales anymore. So it's not that, it's not like it's super hard to do that. But it's impressive anyway for a song that's whatever years old, I don't want to say, but very old. Mm-hmm. To be like forty-three years old. Anyway, oh, well, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. But it's now like a number one song in North America. It wasn't at the time. Yeah, she was a she was a minority taste at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would say the same thing about "Lust for Life" being used in Train Spotting. Yes, for sure. You would never have heard that song growing up. Like that would not have been a popular song. It was a very minority song. You know, people who sought out the unusual. You know, or knew I love David Bowie and knew all his side projects, right? And then. Chainspotting comes out and 
and then everyone knows Lust for Life suddenly, and it's on the radio, and that's that's great because there's money in the pocket. Thirty-seven years. Thirty. Oh, that's nothing. Came out in nineteen eighty-five. Eighty-five. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Eighty-five. Yeah. Yep. I was for some reason I was thinking it was two thousand and twenty-three. I don't know why I was thinking that. Oh wow! I just want to get this we're, year we're over with. It. I just want to get it over. Stop with. it! No, the other ones have gone by too fast. Stop it! <laughs> let's get over this. Uh, no, that's when I graduated, so I know it. Uh, I know that year quite well. Anyway, let's give a listen to uh, Bell Bottoms with the John Spencer Blues Explosion. Let's do it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen right, right now, now I, got I got to tell, tell you about, about the, the fabulous, fabulous, most groovy bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. Yeah!
The song from Baby Driver? Uh, now that you mention it was a Baby Driver, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. Though yeah. Not necessarily the biggest fan of Baby Driver, but I did like a lot of the driving in there. I, mm-hmm. I wrote down uh, really fun nonsense, and I really love the uh, drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's weird because I love like really melodic, like sucky songs. You know, like I'll happily listen to Windy by the Association. Sure. But I also love like total chaos and like just grinding death guitars and, and noise. And, so you and listen to like Windy by Guar. <laughs> That's right. It's, That's a different song though. That's just them bent over backwards to the microphones. <laughs> You'd hear nothing through the outfits. Through <laughs> all that foam. Yeah, that it would just be, they, they'd just be hurting themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's where they got the name from. <laughs> So uh, let's go to our next song. I can't say anything about this artist because I know nothing about this artist. Okay. Uh, This is from a a series called um, Rare Soul, Groove and Grind, 1963 to 1973. It came out in 2015. It's like a four CD set of of, uh, songs that are very rare. So rare that you can often like hear like the the pop and click of the fact that it's a record because no master tapes exist of these songs. They've just have been dug oh, up no. by fanatics over okay. time and people have like put together these sort of collections. In fact, this collection may not even be like wholly like legal. I'm not going to say for sure, <laughs> but uh, this is Iron Man Sam from, I don't know when I'm going to guess around 67, 68. Cause it has a very, uh, pop has got a brand new bag kind of sound to the beginning of the song. Okay. And it has a kind of a James Brown riff through it all. But this is uh, original funky bell bottom by by uh, Iron Man Sam. Let's give it a listen, everyone. Thank you. 
foggy, 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 down, down, bottom, Just too much repetition for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a dance song, so that yeah. makes sense on the floor, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I have a real soft spot for funk music. For whatever reason, I don't know. I like mm-hmm. I love James Brown. And and I even like James Brown knockoffs, which this is. Like, this from the slightly slower of the song, which is obviously yeah. I feel good. You know, that kind of sound. Like. The expression Iron Man, mm-hmm. what did it mean back then? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, obviously the, the superhero was out, but that wasn't that big a deal. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, were they doing like Iron Man marathons or anything so. like that back then? I wonder if it just meant like that he was tough. Yeah, does that He's mean a tough, a tough guy is an Iron Man? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I mean, obviously, the superhero name has got to come from something. It's a reference to something. Maybe. So, I don't know. I'm just, uh, just curious. If anyone out there knows, let us know. It would have been pre-jogging culture, so I don't think like Iron Man marathons would have existed at that time. Yeah, but like something else that's a tough guy thing. Mm-hmm. Like you lift a bunch of this and yeah, yeah. punch a bunch of him. You and punch iron. Yeah, you punch some iron. <laughs> you John Henry it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about them. It's where they came from or anything. It's just one of those. We've got a whole bunch of people out there who know things. So if you know. It's one of the, well, if you do, let me know. Because I I tried to, I looked it up online and I could not find a single mention. Very good. You know, it's one of the things where you click, click the second page. Maybe you'll find something there. Oh, it's all mentions of Iron Man. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let me accept all these cookies. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. Here comes the virus. (laughs) All right. Our final song. This is uh, Loudon Wainwright III. Okay. Um. Pretty great, folk kind of folky kind of sure. writer. Very truthful. Maybe someone that sounds like he sounds like a bit of a jerk in real life. Oh, does to he? Be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. But I think he's like a jerk because he's like, um, my art's here, mm-hmm. and everyone else in my life is just a little bit underneath mm-hmm. that, you know. Okay. And I and did the song I wrote that was very truthful hurt your feelings? I'm sorry. I'm an artist, and I have to write those songs. If you don't like it. 
we can get divorced. Oh, we're getting divorced? All right. Uh, he's the father yeah. of Rufus, uh, Rufus Wainwright and also um, Lucy Wainwright through it from a different uh, mother, but Martha Wainwright as well. Um, okay. And who wrote this? Wrote a song about him called uh, "Bloody Motherfucking Asshole." I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Some kind of mm. like really like strong words. Um, it which, was. It, did the song follow up on the title? Or yes, was, it's about her relationship with her dad. And it was not a good one. It was not ironic. This it wasn't ironic. They've. It's. He's a prickly character, I think. And both the kids uh, have songs. Uh, Rufus Wainwright had a song called "Dinner at Eight, describing. Uh, a dinner with his dad that's not great wow yeah it's a well i know both your thing. daughters have podcasts against you <laughs> they just might they just might <laughs> they just might who knows um but this is loudon wainwright the third from an album i love the album title which is attempted mustache <laughs> uh this is bell-bottom pants everyone nice this song is dedicated to the united states navy one two three a four Everybody got the bell-bottom pants Ain't got the pants, you ain't got a chance At the pop festival, rock festival, the folk festival of the dance, oh baby down to the dance and I took a glance and everybody was looking askance at me I didn't have them pants festivals and the rock festivals and folk festivals and dances get yourself a pair of them pants that's right the bell bottom pants yes the bell bottom pants probably my favorite song of the bunch it's just a charming little song right it's so weird because it's funny like i took another song from this for a different a different top five uh radio songs am world and although i'm starting to suspect that i might have gotten the morning mixed up with with the radio anybody doesn't matter it's all it's fine don't don't worry about it don't don't let, let me second guess you either but um that album's like replete with Session musicians, Nashville superstar session musicians who could like 
you know, play the hair off a cat. Just like, <laughs> they're just so excellent. And, and like, this is such a charming song and it's just him and his guitar. And it just works so well in, in the album. What's also funny is it comes immediately after AM World on the album, which is like this really like rockin' song with a lot of slide guitar and drums and everything going on in it. And then you get to this song and it's just him and a little, his little guitar and just a great lyric about belonging. Oh, nice. I think it's a lot of fun. And there you go, everyone. That's Bell Bottoms. Hooray! Uh, so my music question okay. was, uh, my fr- uh, I have a friend uh, that you've met. Who has been on the show? Okay. And that friend's name is Gail Simone. Okay. Um, yesterday she asked a question on her Twitter, and I was like, oh, Dave would might know, uh, be a good person to answer this. And she said, uh, I have a question. Can you name a rock or pop band that had at least three performing members at the same time Yeah. Uh, that could write multiple hit songs individually? Yeah. With the Beatles, for example, Lennon McCartney and Harrison all wrote multiple hit songs, uh, each while in the band. Can yeah. you name any other uh, rock or pop bands that would? Well, the obvious one that pops into my head is Crosby, Stills, and, and Nash yeah, and Young. Yeah, she did mention that one. Yeah, that was one of the first ones she, um, she put down. Other that was three? the first one I thought of too. Uh, the Eagles. Yeah, she goes like uh, Queen, America, Moody Blues, yeah, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And then she comes up dry. And then someone goes Fleetwood Mac. That's a good one. Eagles, as I said. Yeah. Um, I know. You You love the Eagles. I love... Well, i just saying, like, if you're going to talk about, like, a no, hit machine there, that's them, right? Um, just trying to think of, like, something more modern. Hmm. Yeah. Individually. That's the tricky part, right? Like, like most bands are, most bands are built around, like, a hit writing duo. Like, the Rolling Stones would be an example of that. Even, like, Led Zeppelin... You know, there's a lot of co-writes and stuff like that. You yeah. know, like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant wrote together. John Paul Jones wrote songs, but you know, there are a lot of co-writes and things like that. They weren't writing individually. Okay. Cream only had two writers in their group: Jack Bruce and and uh, Eric Clapton, who is entirely Pete Townsend. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. All right. I'm gonna ponder that. All right. Have a nice ponder. I'm gonna go to our letter bag. All right. So uh, we asked a couple of questions last week. One was. What's your favorite thing to do at an amusement park? And the sub-question, what's scarier, going to the doctor or going to the dentist? Well, let's uh, let's open up the old mailbag. Once again, all letters to frickin' Santa Claus. <laughs> Look, that case has been settled. All right, I got one from Louise. All right. Uh, I like freshly spun cotton candy at an amusement park hmm. and a stage showing local talent. And uh, the answer to the doctor or dentist... Whatever medical practitioner is sticking a needle in at the time is scarier. <laughs> Good point. I find, I have to admit, I find, I would, in that case, I would have to say the dentist because I do not, I find like a dental, like getting the freezing put into your gum is much more painful than uh, okay. just like a regular needle. I'm going to go doctor just because a doctor can tell you more stuff's wrong. Mm. Whereas a dentist, normally you know yeah. what's going on. But I have to admit, like, I usually fall asleep at the dentist, like when I'm. Oh, okay. My, I'll just like drift off to sleep. Nice. <laughs> I guess. Unless you wake up and go, woo! Bite down really hard. Uh, we talked about Pixar a little bit. And uh, Louise continues, I don't know if John Lasseter's involvement would make uh, Pixar's latest movies better. He's an executive producer on Skydance's new movie, Luck, mm. which is kind of a hot mess. Yeah, that kind of came and went. <laughs> uh, it had some fun sequences, a few good gags. But for a movie aimed at a family audience, its underlying message is flawed. Apparently, it's a given. Uh, you can't have good luck without bad luck. But they never ask questions like, why does bad luck happen to good people? Mm. Why don't some kids have parents? 
Why aren't all kids adopted? The closest they is it come, about adoption? Sorry, uh, I guess so. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the closest they come is saying that bad luck teaches you how to pivot. A more daring message would have been: there's no such thing as luck, or at least believing in luck is okay if it helps you envision a better future. But you can't rely on luck alone. Mm-hmm. I think it's the leprechauns and the lucky cats, bunnies, and pigs who should pivot. <laughs> Their new job uh, would be to inspire people to help each other make the world a better place. For a grown-up series about navigating the adoption system, try BBC's Trying on Apple TV+. Okay. I like uh, a story of the adoption system. I was adopted. Well, just to uh, elucidate further on what I was saying about John Lasseter. Sure. I wasn't thinking so much in terms of creativity. Because obviously, like, the success of Pixar is not just John Lasseter's. You know, there's Pete Docter and Andrew Stanton and all those people that have mm-hmm. created all these memorable car- uh, animated cartoons through the years. And now there's a new generation of people there. But what what I think is that he had the cachet, he had the clout from success, early success to kind of fend off Disney. Okay. So, you know, instead of, so if Disney was pushing them hard to do something, and it did happen, I mean, they still had to like make Toy Story 2 at Disney's behest. Right. They had no choice. They had to do it. But what's important is that they were able to, like, do it the way they wanted to. They were able to, like, kind of, you know, kind of keep Disney at bay while they made it as good as they possibly could. And I think that Lasseter's, you know, losing him, you just kind of have now, now you just have, like, a functionary in his, yeah. in his role and someone who doesn't have any kind of creative cloud or creative cachet, something that's respectable, you know, that people go, you got to listen to John because, you know, he, he did Toy Story. You know, he did something that no one thought was possible. He made a feature film using computer computer animation. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty amazing, you know, that he's able to do that. And yeah, it it you know, so I think that's what I meant. I don't I didn't mean like that he was like a creative <laughs> dynamo or anything like that, because you know, he's more of a functionary there, I think, in the in the end of his terms. Yeah. Let us know what you thought of luck if you saw it. Yeah. Uh Peter Ayers uh writes or Ayers. Ayers? Ayers, what would you say? Peter Ayers. There you go, Peter Ayers. That's, right. better, that's a great name. <laughs> uh, uh, and we got a little uh, description of from off the top, and then okay. we'll get to the letter. Okay. Peter Ayers, uh, fake fur coat slips provocatively off one shoulder. <laughs> Hello, boys. Oh, man. I know. It's starting pretty <laughs> hot. Uh, it's already summertime, my friend. I mean, we don't need... <laughs> it is September, but it's not all the way into September. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Uh, not an amusement park, but a fun fair. I just visited the legendary Carter's Steam Fair on its final UK tour. If I may be so bold <laughs> as to make Ian say... <sighs> Gestam Kirchwerk, then this one <laughs> is a hell of a among Kirchwerk. A collection of old-fashioned timber and metal funfair rides dating back to the 1890s. Wow. Nice. All beautifully hand-painted in traditional and more modern styles. Actual steam engines power the machinery via belt drive, and they also provide the music by pumping air through the pipe organs. The engines no longer drag the fair from town to town. This is all done by vintage trucks. Equally beautifully painted uh, in the Oxblood uh, livery, 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 with uh, cream piping. A combination of offal and dairy, which sounds disgusting now that I see it written down. Well, I'm still looking at that sexy shoulder. Uh, On a side, by painting on reflective metal panels, light bounces through the paint, making opaque colors pop and translucent ones lustrous. 
My boy's reaction on seeing the funfair from the other side of the field was like Donald Sutherland at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We headed straight for the carousel with its centrally located steam engine and pipe organ. Once experienced, never forgotten. The smell of oil, coal, steam, and smoke. The sounds of creaking timber and crashed cymbals. The kaleidoscopic colors and patterns. Just heaven. Unbelievably, the whole lot is on sale for a mere two million pounds. I really hope it can find a good home. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, go to our Patreon. <laughs> and if we reach three million pounds, yeah. we will buy that for two million. And the other million don't 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 ask a bunch of questions. But you guys can all go free for once. One ride free. Um, on your other question, a trip to the dentist reliable make, reliably makes everyone feel guilty about how little they floss. <laughs> and this includes dentists when they go for their checkups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed your chat about education this week. It echoed a similar conversation we were having the previous night. Uh, where we were talking about things we wish we'd learnt in school. Mm. David, I'm sorry, but I feel you were being a bit obtuse. There it is. Huh? Uh, but I'm glad your friendship can withstand occasional obstetricity. <laughs> Maybe education is important. I would say that there is a large overlap of responsibility between school and home for both educating and raising children. Parents are not teachers, and many are unable to pass on essential knowledge about how the world works. For example, a great home cook may not be able to explain why uh, they do things in that particular way. Mm, that's true. Yeah, the UK has been blighted by an ideology of measuring students' performances and plugging it into league tables. This might be fine for those elements that are easy to measure, but it is catastrophic for the rest. The word education stems from the Latin eductar free meaning to draw out but we've had 10 plus years of right answers being drummed into students brains mm. uh, many of the things that have struck me are those that fell in between the gaps of the curriculum astronomy club say or learning through failure how to manage a team decorating the school play broad general education aside i think the greatest skill we can learn is process this gives us the ability to start working on problems we don't yet understand in the sure knowledge that an answer exists somewhere in the future. Agreed. Uh, I have a brilliant answer to the question of how to best prepare uh, people for the world through school, but this margin is too small to contain it. Auf Wiedersehen, schnickers. Flips fur coat over shoulder and sachets down the hall. Oh, I saw, I feel Excuse like... me, i got to finish off with this. <laughs> I think Marlena Dietrich was uh, talking to us. Yeah, that wolf of that table is just going nuts right now. <laughs> He's lost just hitting his, his eyeballs with a hammer, his tongues all over the floor. <laughs> um, let me just go back a little bit to what... Please do. Because I, I do agree. Like I did sort of hint at it generally when we were talking about education last week. But like here in BC, there's a conservative... conservative um, I don't call them like a group, conservative board called the Fraser Institute. Okay. And basically, they grade schools every year. And yeah, they grade them on this very simple um, idea of how well do they test? Like, do they do well with their tests? The problem with that, though, is that people take this really seriously. Rather than scoffing at it as they should, they, like, parents react to this like, oh my God, this school here tests way better than this school here. We better get our kids out of this school and go to that school. And the way that the school system, because of uh, this, uh, the, in what I think is an insane idea of the vote, like the voucher system, where schools get money per student rather than just a general working budget for each school. 
when you start losing your students because of low test, like poor test scores for whatever reason, you you lose funding. So your school starts an inevitable decline into in spiraling into nothing. And the school that has like this uh, concentration on getting, you know, being able to put the right pencil mark in the right circle, right? They they get all the funding because they get all, they attract all the students who are going to go on to some great career or whatever as a machine who can say things by, by rote. Yeah. But what we lose through this is the ability of critical thinking, which, you know, I think we see in our culture, like the effect of the inability to quest, make ask pertinent questions of the statements that people make, you know, and including me. And you, uh, you know, and when you lose that, you lose this, uh, you know, you, you well, you, you've lost it. You've lost the educated populace, you know, and I think it, personally, I think in the States, it's been an intentional Mm-hmm. move to that in order yeah. to kind of dumb down uh, an uppity lower class that you we really just want you to be drones we don't want you to yeah. be, actually be thinking guys like that's enough of this let's just you know literally have said love the poorly educated yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and this let's this is forget about this whole idea of like learning and critical thinking and being able to yeah, be, smarty it, pants. learning process and logic and things like that those aren't going to help you in the jobs that you're going to get because those jobs aren't going to require those things uh just you know Enjoy your TikTok. Get out of here. And yeah, so I think what yeah I think what Peter says is spot on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry if I was obtuse. If you want to see a, another example of tu- obtuseness, listen earlier in the show. Yeah. Uh, did you listen backwards to the show? Is that how you're doing it? Okay, fair enough. Um, and uh, the third uh, letter and our final one on the webpage is from someone you know uh, very well, the co-host of Horse Mysteries, <laughs> oh. uh, which I hear is coming back soon. That's the word. It's coming around the track. That's what I've heard. Pretty soon. Uh, and that is Lisa. And Lisa writes, uh, regarding questions of the week, my favorite thing to do at the amusement park is the roller coaster. That is very true. She loves the roller coaster. In the doctor or dentist debate, I don't think either is scary, fortunately. But I definitely think going to the dentist is more uncomfortable. And that's from someone who had no fillings and just <laughs> needs regular cleanings, nothing more invasive. While it's not necessarily uh, scary or painful, I find the dentist visit uh, something I dread, not so much beforehand, but more so during the actual procedure. <laughs> Uh, on the discussion of education, I think a lot of it comes down to choice. As a parent, I choose to teach my children certain things, as my parents uh, did for me. And those parents uh, who did not or could not do that for some reason, then the burden obviously falls on the school. And unfortunately, sometimes that torch is picked up and sometimes it's dropped. But we uh, also encounter choice again. When I was in school, I chose business class and we did uh, learn about taxes. And I can remember having to fill out an actual tax form. So we had some familiarity with the process. Although for my whole life, I've always used an accountant to do my taxes as they're fairly complicated with two jobs, one being self-employed. And as a teacher, I know that uh, teaching about taxes is embedding in various parts. Uh, I, I know uh, that teaching about taxes is embedded in, in various parts of the curriculum, business classes, planning, workshop, math. Uh, again, part of that comes down to choice. Is the student going to take those classes? In other localities, I don't really know if similar topics are covered, but I would imagine so. In my own area, ESL, I, I talk about taxes every year simply as a familiarization to Canadian culture. And I know uh, things are very different in other countries. It's not a how to do your taxes per se. It's just an introduction to the idea of taxes. Uh, 
I think one thing about schools that doesn't uh, work is teaching out of context, which unfortunately is done and must be done all the time. If you have no idea or concept about what this teacher is going on about, it's uh, far easier to just tune out. I think uh, uh, the more one has exposure to things, even something as mundane as taxes, both at home and at school, the better. My girls grew up with me having to take over the dining room table every January to March in the slow process of trying to sort out my books before uh, it was time to go to the accountant. So they saw the process happening before them in real, if very slow, (laughs) time. When they got their driver's licenses, they often uh, tasks, uh, were tasked with either dropping off or picking up the taxes at the accountant. And I am happy to say doing their taxes seemed to have been another level of adulting that they have somewhat seamlessly added to their repertoires without much fret or hassle. But yes, there are always things that could be better in the curriculum, and there are always going to be employees who have done their jobs better or cover things more thoroughly. And likewise, there are always parents who are going to handle the responsibility of many of the steps in preparing their kids for the world oh, over, over, to, over the school and hope for the best or just move on without further thought. But such is life, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Very nice. Que sera, sera. Sera, sera. And we have an uh, email you were saying. Yes. Uh, Lu- Louise wrote. Oh, I like a Louise. She did, and I, I'm going to. She sent a picture. So she, she she both wrote on the web page and also sent us an email. Yes, you know what? That's uh, extra points. <laughs> uh, she said, "Now this may be. I may. I might have missed this if it was from last week. I'm sorry, but this is. We'll just pretend that it's recent." She okay, says, we'll be cool. Let's be cool me. about this. <clears throat> She's battle of the medieval fantasy shows. Ah, I think Ed is onto something about the marketing of the twin fantasy series debuting this summer. I might mix up the latest two TV guides and pick up the wrong one. But when it comes to watching, the true nerd will have no problem distinguishing the two. The House of the Dragon is the one you don't want to be watching when your mum or dad walks through the room or your boss walks through the office. Yes, I think that's very true. At least I hope it's true. It's always the first season, though. After that, forget it. (laughs) Everyone signed a new contract. They don't need to do that anymore. Excuse me. Uh, She has two pictures as well. I'll put them on the website. Very good. And I just was going to ask a question from something Lisa said, which I, I don't understand this because Lisa loves going on the real, I mean, literally loves going on the old roller coaster at the Peony mm-hmm. and thinks it's a laugh riot, whereas Mary finds it terrifying Sure, and will not go on it. But Lisa will not watch a horror movie. She hates horror movies mm-hmm. and Mary loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. Like, you're, I'm kind of like, isn't one scare the same as the other? Like, no, I it's would, a scary. Okay, all right, very good. All right, but if you've got a question about that. Yeah. Okay. Like, isn't isn't it the same scariness? Like, do other listeners have the same problem? That you'll go on, like, a physically dangerous thing, and that's fine. But the idea of, like, psychological danger in the horror movie, that is absolutely too terrifying to watch. Okay. So the question is, what is scarier, physical or psychological danger to you? Yeah. Or it's, and it's, and it's, again, it's, yeah. these are both... In controlled environments sure. where you are really at no danger. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster ride or like yeah, a music right. park ride or yeah, you're not or gonna, in a movie theater. Happen, but a real ghost is not going to come out of the television <laughs> and going to attack you. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Though, but if it did, working on that, that's a good time for a ghost to do it. Mm-hmm. That would be oh, scary. that would be scary. Though that's never been reported, you know. In the in the history of all ghost sightings, yeah, it's never like, oh, when did you see the ghost? Well, I was watching a horror movie about a ghost, <laughs> and then the ghost showed up in the TV and came out, oh, or man. the ghost showed up behind me while I was watching the horror movie. That would be that would be scary. never. The ghost, like ghosts, are scared of ghost 
movies. I will say this, though. It does happen in the movies, though. Okay, yes. Like in Insidious or one of those. Like, sure, sure. I think it's one of those ones where, like, Ethan Hawke is watching, like, the footage and then, like, the guy is there. Yeah, yeah. That will happen because that's in the fiction of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in, uh, you know, reality. Uh, <laughs> has there, there's never yeah. been a situation where, like, at a movie theater, yeah. a ghost shows up at a horror movie. Sure. Does not happen. I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, no that's one knows a good why. question. No one knows why. And, yeah, you'll, you'll know after you're, you're gone. <laughs> and when you pass into the afterlife, they'll tell you the ghost rules. And like, okay, here's when you can haunt. Mm, just mm. when they're going to bed. Just on this. And it's like, but hey, if they're watching a horror movie, you leave them alone. And I guess, also, Halloween, mm. knock it off. No ghosts, no real ghosts on Halloween. Another example would be The Ring. Because uh, the, the girl crawls out of the TV. Right. Comes out of the video. and, and But is that really a horror movie? That's just random images, right? Oh, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, in, in cities, it's not a horror movie either. It's like he's watching footage of people being oh, okay. killed or whatever. Well, yeah. that's also then it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're watching like a movie and then like the uh, the clown. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. So what you're saying is like you're watching a movie with a ghost. In you're the watching movie a horror movie with a ghost, and then a, and then a real ghost shows up. Like the ghost comes out of the screen. Yeah, or it's behind you in the couch. Uh huh. Like it's watching the movie with you <laughs> and then like grabs you. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. He's grabbing you. That's not so good. Yeah, it's a that's a. He's a corporeal ghost. ghost. He can grab yeah. you. We feel yeah. like we're getting towards uh, Halloween times now, and so yeah. we're all getting. Uh, well, the candies are out. I know, which again is the only thing that's keeping away uh, Christmas. The second <laughs> that Halloween candy goes away, now it's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oof. It seemed weird. Like we went to the store the other day, and of course it's boiling hot out. You know, like you get out of the yeah. we get out of our car, which we I you know have air conditioning. So sorry everyone, but using air you know get out of the air conditioning car, and you're just like, Ugh. then you walk into the store, and it's slightly better air conditioning. You're like, yeah. A little better. I'm gonna get a drink. Oh, you know what they had at the Safeway I went to. They have this little machine where you you took a bottle of pop and you put it on it and you pressed a button and it it's chilled. Yeah, you've seen this. Yeah, yeah. That's the first time I ever saw it. It's the other day. It's similar to something they've had at liquor stores for a while. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Where they've uh, will uh, chill a bottle of uh, I don't know if it was wine, but like some ch- maybe chill beer, certain maybe uh, beer, alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And. Yeah, so that was really interesting. But anyhow, I did that because I, I wanted to, I like cold drinks. And so I did that. And then I was walking over to the the cash register with it. And then I turned, and much to my horror, there's pumpkin carving kits. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? The, what's going on? And then they had candy spread out through the store, like all the little mini chocolate bars. And then they had like uh, seasonal Halloween socks, uh, you know, on the actual, like by the checkout. Yeah. I guess for your... Im- your, your uh, impetuous purchase of, of socks. Because yeah. everyone, you know, you can't resist them when you see them hanging by the checkout counter. And people have all the Guy Fox stuff out now. It's like, come on! <laughs> 5th of November! <laughs> Be cool. Be cool, guys. It's a, yeah, it's a, a, little, uh, it's a, little, too, a little too early. I'm going to ask, is there anything that you're doing in the last days of summer that you're just like, I'm going to get this in now. going to get this in in the last days of summer. What are you doing to, uh, you know, enjoy the last days of summer? Okay. Okay. So it's uh, what is uh, scarier, and this is in uh, you know safe environments. Yes. Psychological or physical? Uh, f- uh, fun danger. Fear. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Yeah. Fear. Or fear. Yeah. 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 And uh, and what are you doing? Uh, you know, to uh, pack in those last days of summer. So yeah. It's funny because I can watch a horror movie like with the most blase. You know, just like ho hum, and I'll often watch it. And I'll be like, well, that wasn't very scary. And then, but I do literally find like. Especially when I was younger, I found rides like really scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to kind of overcome that fear because Mary wanted to go on the rides. 
when I became my father and I was kind of like, well, I guess I've got to go on them because yeah. someone has to go with Mary and that, and at least I can't go on uh, round, round and round rides. So that's me. I'm going to be that guy. So yeah, I had to, I had to swallow I went that. went a period where I went on most of them. Uh, and that was like in, in high school because mm-hmm. like uh, girls were going on. <laughs> the so you got to have a draw. motivation. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. And then afterwards it was like, uh, I, I remember, yeah, it was one it was one time where I was going to go on a ride with someone. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. Mm. I was like, because you're scared? Well, no, it's just like, ugh. Like, it's just, I don't want to go on it. I don't want to yeah. go fast. And then it's going to like turn me sideways and put me upside down. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. Ah, and my stomach's just going to go. Blah, 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 blah. It's like I don't want to pay money for that. How yeah. much is it? Seven dollars at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like no, I can spend seven dollars on things I like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I was not a fun uh, date. No, I can see that. I'm now. I'm. I'm no good for the round and round rides because I I'm, I get a bit uh, car sick feeling from it. Okay, which I didn't used to. But I think I think it's just I'm aging, so my my inner ear is not working so well anymore. I still enjoy the flip around ride, so and the roller coaster is still fun. Nice, but yeah, like I say, as a kid, I just thought those were like, ugh. Yeah, I see they they got a new. Uh, it looks like new uh, teacup ride at the Peony or Playland, and I know it's new because it's uh, clean. <laughs> it's much cleaner than the other rides, and I look at that and just go like, yeah, it just feels sick. Like yeah. that's that's at least twenty minutes afterwards of just going, ooh, yeah, ooh. Yeah. And so, one thing I do miss at the Peony. Is the arcade? The arcade's no longer there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and that bugs me because I like to. I like going in there. And it was like always like old weird games and stuff, and some of them were rip off games, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was always. And they used to have like the giant pinball machine. Yeah, which yeah. wasn't great, but it's, it was still like fun. Yeah, Hercules, I think it was called. Yeah, so, uh, I miss. I miss those things. They still have the shooting gallery, so that that's good. Yeah, and I always like when someone uh, at night. Uh, takes a flash photo and then it uh, everything goes off at once because <laughs> it's all light based. Light based. I never, yeah. I never seen that happen. That'd be kind oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah. You, someone takes a picture because yeah. they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna take a picture of you while you're taking the thing," and then the flash goes off and then absolutely everything goes yeah. Rah! Yeah, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I wish that we had uh, the thing that they had at this one place in um, uh, Blackpool, which is it was a shooting gallery, but you're facing it, and then there was a there was at least one thing there. That would shoot water at you at one point, and you had to like oh. shoot it first. Oh, okay, and then like yeah, oh, that's and it was, cool. I liked it because I didn't know it was going to shoot water at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the water coming, and I dodged out of the way in time. Yeah, and I was like, good reflexes. Yeah, I dodged. That I dodged is really some, good. Some water, pretty good. That's really good. But most people would just get water in the puss. Yeah, yeah. That's why my favorite bit in uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is when he throws water at the camera. Yeah. You're supposed to throw a glass of water over your shoulder, the person sitting behind you, <laughs> which I did not know about the first time I went to see the movie. So suddenly I was just sitting there, and most of the things are very light, you know, like this yeah. race or a bit of water from a squirt gun. And suddenly I just got this full f- cup full of water in the face. <laughs> I said, what? 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 <laughs> and ever since then, I've enjoyed it so much because I do it. And I put it behind me and you always, the person behind you is always goes like, oh my God. <laughs> They do not expect it. That's the one, the one thing you don't expect. Just remember to not have any ice. When Frankenfurter throws that water at the camera, make sure you have that one over your shoulder. Yep. Right back at the poor sucker behind you. Wrapper <laughs> <laughs> up, Dave. I'm going to wrap her up, everyone. So thank you, you all, for listening to this show. I thought you were going to do the thing all the way through it. What? Well, go. You got to keep going. No, no, I just enjoyed it too much. 
Sorry. <laughs> so everyone, thank you for listening to the show this week. We will be back again next week with more interesting nothings. See you then. Ever say goodbye. Okay, fine. Bye. Thank you.